Daddy, I have powers sometimes. I can fly with my magic rat bison. <laughs> Woo! Chugga, 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 chugga. Hey, everybody. It's the Boy Howdy Podcast. It's Boy Howdy Podcast. is the podcast for, what, April 14th? It is Friday the 13th. Well, we're recording on April uh, 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Oh, man. I spent all day explaining to people how you don't have to worry about Friday the 13th if you're not a Templar. Do you know the origin of Friday the 13th? Oh, yeah. Uh, Templars got wiped out in like 1987. This is is common knowledge to you and I. And tomorrow tomorrow is the 100th anniversary of Titanic uh, hitting the iceberg and not sinking, but at 1140 uh, Newfoundland time tomorrow night, which is like 1030 uh, Pacific time. Is when Titanic hits the iceberg. And what then are you going to do, Bill, to celebrate? I'm going to cry. I'm going to put on James Cameron and just weep at him. Go, are you just oh. going to eat a giant marshmallow representing the iceberg? Yeah, I'm going to paint my penis like the Titanic and just smash it. <laughs> Why did I start? Why did I start that at all? Oh, I no, have regrets yeah, no. immediately. No, what's the Templar uh, thing about uh, Friday the 13th? Oh, Friday the 13th was the day when the Templars were first rounded up and killed and burned at the stake. Wait, is that what the fundamental destruction of the Templars? Started. Who rounded up and killed the Templars? The church and the French government. Why were they suddenly pissed off at the Templars? The Templars Templars had a lot of money and power. See, now I'm starting to confuse Assassin's Creed with historical stuff with reality. See, that's why you need to be Annie and be obsessed with Templars for your entire childhood. No, the Templars, um, when you joined the Templars, you donated all of your money and land to the Templars and took a vow of poverty. And a lot of prominent people, like Third Sons sort of things, joined the Templars. Yeah. So they were fucking rich. And they were basically oh, a bank. Oh, they were a threat to and, the church. Well, not just that, but maybe the church and maybe some governments what were in debt like, to the like Templars. Like the year 600 or something like that? Oh, no, this is later than that. This is like 1300. Oh, uh, I thought it was even earlier than that. No. Oh, that makes sense because the Templars are all medieval. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like maybe thirteen. You couldn't have Assassin's Creed with the Templars if they yeah. all died out in the seventh century. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, poor. Oh man, now I'm forgetting his name. I think Friday the Thirteenth was in particular where the 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 Grand Templar was Friday the Thirteenth stake. Uh, 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 by Sir Jason Voorhees killed all the Templars. <laughs> That's right. There um, we go. Yeah. So this is yeah our podcast. Uh, for those people who don't know, this is going to be our Avatar: The Last Airbender slash Legend of Korra episode. We're going to be talking about that in a bit. Um, Spoiler alert, I like those things. Yeah, it's good. Oh, the reason we're talking about this is because tomorrow, uh, Legend of Korra starts airing on Nickelodeon sometime. Despite the fact that it's out there in the world for everyone to see, did you see it's free on iTunes now? I have already purchased it. Um, And my season pass. Oh, actually, I need to do that tomorrow. Uh, But yeah, so we're going to be talking about that because we are both big uh, Legend of uh, uh, Airbender. Legend of Airbender? Legend of the the Lost Korra. (laughs) The last core? I can't even get this shit right. I'm drunk on coke. Anyway, let's talk about the week that was. What did what? you do this week, Hey, everybody. Bill? How you doing at home? Hey, everybody. This is Bill, by the way. I'm going to have sex with you. Oh, yeah. That's, do we even know? No? no. Wait, we're got... awful at podcasting. Yeah. Dear Lord. Like, we're good at anything else. Once again, dear listeners, this is the part, it. <laughs> this is the part where I think you're good at our jobs. Both of uh, us are, are fat and wobbly. Bill is making illusion to the fact that I had my job review today where I was praised and made me feel like shit. And my job. And I'm in a day, great mood. Uh, I, I just decided I'm not paying taxes this year. That's how I'm doing my <laughs> he's job. He's joking. He's joking, everybody. He's joking. Please, dear God, no, Red he's joking. Tax. Please don't wait, audit, I Bill. I can't wait till taxes are done. It'll be such a psychic shit for me. Oh my God. When you're a freelancer 
And oh man, tax season is not fun if you if you just don't have a single W two to file. Like Katie came in today, mm -hmm. uh, our friend Katie. She just works at the Portland Electric. Yeah, I was me and Dylan were complaining about taxes to her, and she's like, I just have a W two, and I just put yep. it in, like an envelope. And, oh, it's beautiful. And then I magically get back like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, she owns a house too. I know. Yeah. My wife, who who owns property, she um we got yeah, she got her tax, tax refund. Yeah. She got a tax refund. We went to a Duchess, which is a local shop that does custom suits. Oh, that's how and, she got the money for her suit. Yeah, she ordered. Well, she's ordering just a waistcoat. So, which, by the way, I said the whole time going, fuck, I want a waistcoat. What is a waistcoat? A vest. Oh, you should get one. I'm... Uh, Are we going to talk about your tits again? No, 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 no. No, it'd be custom made. It would yeah, be designed well, for my titties. Think that's justification. Oh, you can mm. have, like, like, boob pouches? No. Oh, my God. No. You'd be like, Not tit bandoliers. No tit bandoliers. Oh, my God. Okay. okay. Tweet titty bandoliers. We're escaping <laughs> this conversation that's right now. podcast name is Tweet titty bandoliers. <laughs> I'm not getting a waistcoat. That's oh the end of my conversation. Oh my god, little plastic windows for your nipples. Just... Anyway. That's what I'm designing for myself. I'm, I'm drawing this on a piece of paper. I'm going to give it to the tailor. So what'd you do this week, Bill? Designing my tweet titty. <laughs> <laughs> no, what the hell did I do this week? Uh, what the hell? I've been playing, off the top of my head, I've been playing, I started Mass Effect 3 again. Mm -hmm. uh, we promise this will not turn into a Mass Effect 3 podcast again. I'm, I'm officially tired of talking about Mass Effect, but I have started playing it again because this week they finally put out the patch for the Xbox 360 where you could, you know, you import actually your import face. your original face, yeah. which I didn't realize how much I fucked up, like, trying to recreate <laughs> my face until I actually imported Shepard's real face, but it is so much... I like it's so nice to actually have real shepherd face. Yeah. Even though it's just a subtle thing. Oh yeah. Oh, so nice. It's a character that you've spent God knows how many and hours with. In the original game, I fucked up things with Liara, my blue space girlfriend, and I'm trying to fix that. And uh, I'm also playing on the insanity difficulty, which is really rough. Uh, that's you really. Oh man, you're like super underpowered. It's almost like playing in real life because every goddamn bad guy you're fighting is a threat to you. They're not just all gun fodder. Yeah. Like you, ha you really have to watch out, and they're really they're even smarter. They're more likely to flank you and stuff. Yeah. It's more more of a tactical shooter that way. Yeah. And you actually feel like you have to really fight uh, to win every battle in that game, which kind of makes it even more kind of stressful and yeah. and weirdly kind of fun to play because it feels more like you're actually like in that sure. situation. So, but yeah, yeah, I've been doing that. and That's been pretty fun. You I'm not I'm not tired of Mass Effect three yet, but I am tired i'm officially tired of being tired about people bitching about mass effect 3 that is what yeah. i've given up on bill posted his five billionth bitch about the dream sequences of mass effect 3 i swear to god i, I forgot almost... about that happened until i came up again the first <sighs> one was like oh my god i forgot i have to go sit through this crap i again. almost unfollowed you on twitter <sighs> i decided to I, I have a new policy on twitter um if you bitch about something the same thing more than three times one day i'm unfriending you that's fine and i did it and it felt liberating <laughs> it just so happened the day i decided you, how many people did you five people this is one day into this Any policy friends? i unfriended my five people no yeah but you came close to doing it to me well because last night i was <laughs> yeah. like bitching about uh mass effect and the hunger games oh man bill i was i was you were one strike away <laughs> Well, the Hunger Games, well, that's Hunger Games is rough. I'm still reading I'm through not the Hunger Games. Man, Annie read through the Hunger Games in, what, a day and a half? Yeah, it took me no the time at all to Hunger finish book. the Hunger Games. I, it's been two weeks for me, and I'm on page, like, 60. The Hunger Games is not for Although anybody. what happens is, it like, is. I, when I, I read, I usually read right before bedtime, which means I re read, like, five pages before I pass out, which means I only, like, it takes me a week to read 30 pages. Yeah. So that's not really a reflection on the Hunger Games. Although I did get to the uninteresting part where uh, Katniss, she has to go to the city, and she's getting, she's going through her Dorothy thing where she's 
getting her slippers and getting her nails polished before she goes to see the Oz, who's going to feed her to to the wild. I really want you to read this book because I can't wait for you to get all the bullshit that's in this book. Yeah. Because basically the Hunger Games, what I really admire about the Hunger Games is the way she has so transparently set up a canonical deus ex machina, literally to make solutions to problems show up out of thin air. How so? Things so, show up, solutions show up out of thin air. Oh, is that like part of the game? It's part of the games. Really? Seriously. See, I think I should come on here and about the rest of the book. It's like people are trying to talk me out of finishing well, the book. Well, here's the thing. This that is, doesn't sound fun. These are my feelings on the Hunger Games, oh, man, which I'd are diametrically just watch opposed. watch The Running Man than read The Hunger Games. My feelings on The Hunger Games are diametrically opposed to anyone else that I've talked to, except for my friend Grant. Um, everyone's feelings in the Hunger Games are, well, the first book is really good and the rest of them are shitty and not worth it. Why do people think the other two are shitty? Spoilers for the she, No, I won't. I will be oblique. Because I want you... I do kind of want you to read it. She puts her characters through the ringer really hard. But that seems... Exactly. And for the world that it's in... Like, the end of that series, I actually set that book down. I was like, son of a bitch. I think that she just was... She was sufficiently brutal to well, her one world of the reasons in a way I, I enjoy. Being bitchy online last night, because I was complaining about, oh my god, when did she get to start killing people? Because I keep on hearing about how brutal <laughs> these books are. And then as soon as I post that, people are on on Twitter and be like, oh, you know what, guess what? She don't kill no one. Everyone... Which is bullshit! Are these people who only read the first book? She, does she actually... Well, still, if the premise of the first book is that she's putting okay. this death competition and she doesn't actually kill 22 anybody. people kill and die in the first book. <laughs> That are, that are like, because oh. literally, that is... And so, like, when and people then, started tweeting about that, I'm like, really? I'm trying to think. By the third book, by the last book, who comes out of alive? Probably 25% of the books I hear Rue makes cast. it to the end. I don't 25% know who Rue of the, the books I cast I people get turned end. into wolves or something. That was the one part of the Hunger Games where I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> This is bullshit. This is they totally I toned just, it down. I, I um, thought people were fucking. No, 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 no. They told Zombie wolves. This. Zombie wolves are actually, the climax of book one. Spoiler, everybody. Everyone's friends get turned into zombie wolves. No, all the dead combatants in the Hunger Games are turned into zombie wolves. They're zombie werewolves. You're talking me out of this book, man. It's, no, it's I will finish this book. I, I this book. I'm just saying. I don't want to. Say, I want to have not a really good about this book. I'm not they're not write it great, off. but I'm super impressed by the way she ended it. The Dark Tower. I love the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower has a fight scene where the good guys, they fight with a bunch of farm people armed with razor blade pie plates. <laughs> Fighting against Doctor Doom. Seriously, not just guys who look like Doctor Doom, but canonical. These are Doctor Do- Doctor Doom clones from the Fantastic Four. Really? Riding metal robots, throwing uh, snitches from Harry Potter at people. Who are explode. you kidding me? They are called uh, snitches. Someone finds one of these snitches in the in the in, in, like it, unexploded, <laughs> and they pick it up, and it says like on the back, uh, like Ministry of uh, Magic. Uh, are you kidding snitch, me? Snitch uh, uh, copyright the HP Company or something like that. Bill, here's the difference between the Dark and I Tower. I that and out. If I can, if I can read that, here's the that thing. Go, you know what? I'll roll with it. I can roll with zombie werewolves. I'm just gonna say this. At the end of the day, the Hunger Games, the ending is worth all the bullshit you have to wade through. Can you say that of the Dark Tower? <laughs> that is the difference, right there, oh, my friend. There's a Dark Tower book coming out next week, so I'll probably be talking about that too. But yeah, no, Dark Tower books are. That's why I can't give the Hunger Games any shit because, like. No, it's I I, I uh, and also the, the Hunger Games the three books are about yeah. the length of one Dark Tower book. Yeah. So I, that it, yeah. Really, I will admit that while I was reading the Hunger Games, I felt very differently until I got to the end, and then I well, totally was totally into the Hunger also Games. Also, the other thing, well, Hunger Games, it's a young adult fiction. At this, you can't yeah. expect. I, I like the other thing. I don't know why I keep on comparing the Hunger Games to uh, 
the Dark Tower. I think it's because I keep on hearing about how brutal those books are supposed to be. And when I think of big, brutal stories, I think of the Dark Tower. That's the sure. closest thing I know it to. But that Dark Tower was written by fucking Stephen King. You can't compare that to a YA book written no. for tweens. Like, in terms of brutality and, and, and how badly characters get banged up. So, yeah. that that's unfair to both uh, books, series. So, so you yeah, know, Hunger Games, uh, listening to the Hook soundtrack. What got you thinking about Hook? La La Land Is it because Riders. you are the pan? Yes. <laughs> it sounds so beautiful. Oh, no, no, no. I wish I had this golden sword right now. No, uh, this place called La La Land Records, they just reissued a 25th, is it 25th? No, it must be 20, 20th anniversary uh, reissue of the uh, Hook soundtrack, you know, from the Steven Spielberg movie. Sure. And what it's what just... other Hook would I confuse it with? I don't know! <laughs> um... I just said you are the pan. What? <laughs> with those two things, how could there be any? Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's like a deluxe uh, collector's edition, like, two disc with all kinds of, like, music. Well, like, for soundtrack aficionados, a lot of people consider, like, even if no one likes Hook, the movie, which mm-hmm. Hook is bullshit. Yeah. We may have fond memories of it because yeah. it was from 20 no, years ago. No, here's the thing. I have not seen Hook, Hook since, is... and I'm never going but to. But no, uh, for soundtrack aficionados of who I am one, uh, yeah, uh, Hook is generally considered to be one of John Williams' better soundtracks. And this is the first time anyone's put out like kind of a special edition of that soundtrack where it's got all kinds of previously unreleased music and stuff. Nice. That. So I've been listening to that. Uh, finally beat Kid Icarus. Yeah. Uh, that turned out to be, man, that game is good. It's the best written Nintendo game ever. Which, not saying much, because Nintendo doesn't exactly pride itself with writing. Sure. Or at least, like, some plots in Nintendo games are better than others. But, like, yeah, the dialogue has never been good in Nintendo games. Yeah. And even right up to the end. Well, it's never end, the most memorable part of a Nintendo game. And even after you far. beat the game, the bad guy in the game was fucking with you. After, like, it says game over, he's still like, I'm gonna delete your save now. Because you beat me. Yeah, it's just like, man, game, you are hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I did that, uh, for some reason I just arbitrarily decided to fire up Minecraft again. I did mm-hmm. not get anything done this week as far as being productive. Um, I built a giant Tudor Don't home. you do that. Don't you eat that crinkly candy. What are you, those bitches behind me at that theater? <laughs> oh, I forgot, oh, I forgot this is an yeah. crinkly stuff. Don't um, you eat that crinkly candy. We're trying candy. to instigate, like, a non-crinkly, uh, I like this snack weed. thing. I'm chastising Bill for eating noisy foods sorry, during the podcast. I, anyway... <laughs> I hate you. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, and um, in Minecraft, I am building... Oh, you know what happened is I found out that there's a create mode in Minecraft where you can uh, fly around. You're not uh, stuck with gravity. Did you not know this? No! I've never played Minecraft and I knew this. I don't know. And so I was like, oh, shit, i build. So over the course of three days, I built a giant Tudor home, which is supposed to be like Shakespeare's house, but nice. then went crazy and now it looks like a big ghoulish face. I kind of, like, it's, it, you know, one of those things in Minecraft where you're building something, and suddenly halfway through, you're like, you know what, I was gonna originally gonna build a rocket ship, but now it's a giant hippo with laser eyes. <laughs> As, you know, building projects in Minecraft tend to go. Uh, a giant Asian pagoda, and a giant, like, 200-foot-tall treehouse. Yeah. You know what, I think subconsciously, I was, like, influenced by listening to Hook. The hook. Yeah. yeah. I just realized that now. I should have, like, a fancy food feast. What is that? They're all eating cat food? Oh man! Oh man! No, what's it called? The Never Feast. What, what is, is it called? Whipped cream. Yeah, it's like whip, like dyed that terrifying colors. <laughs> trying to make it look like the old is it called so Never good? Never Food or something like that? Fucking or... bullshit movie. <laughs> Julia Roberts. Oh my god! Oh my god! I totally forgot that Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. You know what was the? Oh, I wanted to say this. Robin Williams is Peter fucking oh, man. Pan, shaved with little elfin ears. My oh. mom called me. Uh, so I, um, Sunday was we my. Need to watch this again. Sunday was uh, obviously Easter, but it was also my parents' thirty fifth wedding. Oh, actually, on Easter. Good on them. Yeah. They didn't get married on Easter. Well, I mean, it was April eighth, and it just Easter is like the second Sunday of yeah, okay, April yeah. or whatever. So it just so happened. Anyway, 
Yeah, I called her. It was great. Speaking of Julia Roberts, and then one of the best conversations ever with my mom because she was like, "I saw a mirror, mirror." I was like, "What'd you think?" And she goes, "Oh, uh, that's actually out." Oh yeah, it's been out for oh, okay. a week or two. And she goes, "Well." It was the best terrible movie I've ever seen. I'm like, congratulations, you have seen a Tarsem movie. I was about to say, yeah, your mom paid to see a Tarsem movie. I know! See, that's the thing I was talking to her. I'm like, mom, you know, Tarsem did um, The Fall and everything like this. And she's like, oh, he's that guy that apparently makes terrible films that are beautiful. I'm like, yes, The Immortals is his most coherent film. Did The Immortals come out like six months ago? Yeah, it didn't come out that long ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, but no, it's, she was so funny because she was like, yeah, it's beautiful and there's some amazing visuals and it's so thoughtful and the costume design was great. Are you... And the casting wasn't bad, per se. Though she did say if she sees Nathan Lane in another obsequious... Um, um, Is he playing super gay? Yeah. Wow. She's basically like, I was offended by that. And she's like, I'm not even <laughs> I'm not homosexual. Even... <laughs> she's like, living in Texas. And exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she, she, was, she was just so funny because I was like, congratulations, Mom, you've seen every Tarzan Are you going to go see it? I, I will go see it fan. when it's $3 you and Abby I can Academy. have a beer. Uh, yeah. You have no interest in seeing a... Uh, what the hell is the Joss Whedon movie that's coming out? Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I hear everyone's flipping out about that. It's supposed to be really good. It's a horror movie. I, I will never pay to see a horror movie. It's a horror movie a week after Easter, a week before like all the big summer movies start. This is the worst time of year to be putting out a movie. Like Dude, that. this movie has been in mothballs for like what a year, I a year know, and a half. They want to wait another six months. They don't care. No, they don't care. They're grudgingly releasing it. They're trying to po- cash in on Everyone Liam Hemsworth. I know who popularity. I give a damn about who has seen it. Has been raving about fantastic. This though, yeah, it's supposed to be so really I'm good. Supposedly, it's supposed to be crazy. Like, like you're supposed to see it without going to see the trailer because it's supposed yeah. to be oh my god, postmodern horror film. Yeah, guess what? I'm giving shit about horror. I'm not going to see the movie. It's not. It's it's written by Joss Whedon though. It's directed. No, by no, Andrew else. Goddard or whatever. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Guess what? Don't give a shit about horror movies. It's not gonna go see you it. You know what? I'll see it for free on Netflix in six months. <laughs> oh, you're such a prick. Well, that's what's gonna happen. Spend money I'll see it on at things. Spend I don't money. Watch a horror movie in Easter. Spend money on things that are <sighs> worth your money. Joss Whedon, some vote some, with some your dollars. Joss Whedon's gonna survive without my dollar. <laughs> He got my Firefly energy. That's true. I gave I gave the Joss Whedon one minute. Let's go. Can't guilt trip me about Joss Whedon. I'm just saying. I love, I love I'm not Joss talking Whedon. about Joss Whedon in particular. I'm just saying, vote with your nerd dollars. Have you seen Angel? I watched it when it was on, motherfucker. You were there. I was I there. Was there. <laughs> it was 9/11 for geeks. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. No. I've actually only seen the first season of Angel in two episodes from, like, the last season. Tor- I've also I saw paid my dues Cordelia at the dies. font of, of Joss Whedon, I'm just saying. They killed, uh, uh, what's his name? Wesley? Wash. They killed everybody. That's it. Oh, they I'm, killed Fred. Yeah. Spoilers, everybody, they killed Fred. How Fred? Oh, wasn't Fred the magic girl? Nerdy Fred girl turns into knows? Illyria. And then the green guy who owns the gay club, oh, he man. died of AIDS. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> No, seriously, in real life. I think it was AIDS. The guy was didn't, actually gay. Didn't he? I thought he died of some mysterious drug overdose or oh, something like that. But that was one of my yeah, favorite characters. He was a great character yeah. as well. Was it Lorne? Oh, man, I Lorne. love Lorne. Lorne's the shit. Joss Whedon is great because I have warm, fuzzy <sighs> memories of his works, even as I never want to watch them ever again. <laughs> his stuff is not aged very well. Well, his stuff, it, Joss Whedon stuff is such the template for kind of like a lot of the snarky attitude in, There are in some media things right that now. are so influential you cannot view them on their own. It's kind of like X-Files to some degree. For yeah, that, a little bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But also, Joss Whedon cares very little about visuals. Yeah, that's why I'm worried about this Avengers movie. It'll be fine. I don't, I don't 
think it's going to be terrible, but, like, visually doesn't look that interesting. You know, I'll, I'll pay to go see a movie with the Hulk beating up on a bunch of robots and shit like that. But, yeah, Joss Whedon, he's not, like, Firefly, as much as I love Firefly and Serenity, Serenity looks like a piece of shit in terms of how it's designed. Like, some of the production design and stuff. Even just that, like, cinematography, he'll, he'll do some clever well, he's stuff. he's not terrible. Like, his, the episodes of Buffy's he's directed, competent. they were bad. He's competent. He's competent, but, like, I can't see putting a hundred That is not his picture. focus. That yeah. is not his. It's, that's how, I was t- actually thinking about this with, I was talking to my wife it's about like, this it's like with Tarsem. Yeah. Like, what I love about Tarsem, what Tarsem <laughs> needs is a partner. Is a is partner. Is backwards marmoset? No. <laughs> In a word, no. Um, Tarsem is really an amazing, he has a really good sense of the visual, and he has a great sense Tarsem. of design, he has a great sense of cinematography. Yeah. He could give two shits about story or character, because he only cares about whatever allows him to give whatever visuals he wants. He needs a writing partner. Like, someone who s- loves film for story and for character, mm-hmm. who can basically, like, with their powers combined, become Captain Planet. Yeah. You know? Basically, what I'm saying is Joss Whedon and Tarsem need to do a film. It would be the worst piece of shit in the universe. Oh, God. Everyone would die, but they would die so beautifully. (laughs) Um, uh, I started playing Fez. Is Fez actually out? Fez is out. Fez has been anticipated for so long. It's hard for me to... It's been, what, I think it's been in development for four years. Fez is uh, an Xbox Live arcade game. Which is, you're playing uh, this little white guy in this flat, two-dimensional, pixelated world that is, like, hit by some kind of crazy magic powers that uh, suddenly uh, makes the world kind of 3D, so you can rotate this 2D world on an axis. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's on a dinner plate. And it does this weird, like, flattening thing where, like, uh, you'll be on one ledge and right next to another ledge, but if you rotate the world 90 degrees, it'll change the perspective, so now you can suddenly jump on that ledge. Mm -hmm. And this, it's, you have to look it up and see a video of it on YouTube. It's hard to explain without actually just seeing it. No, that was pretty succinct. It's, 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 it's a very unique puzzle platformer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got great music. The presentation is fantastic. Uh, the first thing you see when you fire up the game is uh, Gomez, the main character. He's in his bedroom. He's got a Legend of Zelda poster on the wall. Yeah. It's 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 actually the title screen from Legend of Zelda, just without the logo. Nice. And so whoever put the game together is obviously hardcore 8-bit gaming fans, which who the fuck isn't? That's actually not really anything that, like a plus one in that category, because like, everyone's an old 8-bit gaming fan. <laughs> But, Fuck you for trying to give me what I want. Uh, no, it's good. It's good for music. I only played it for like an hour today before Dylan showed up. But it, it seems pretty fun. Uh, what the hell happened? Uh, Hunger Games. The only other thing. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the 100th anniversary of Titanic singing tomorrow night. So, Bill, have you seen the 3D Titanic? There's a 3D Titanic? Really? Oh, the one that, the, the movie that came yeah. out. No, yeah. did you see Meredith Grand was trying to get people to go see it with her? Yeah, and everyone's being sarcastic all... about it, and she's like, "Don't be sarcastic about Titanic." There are some things where it's like, "Come on, dudes!" It's it's it was cool to make to pretend you're too cool it for Titanic. It never actually occurred to me to go like, see Titanic in 3D. You should go see it on the hundredth anniversary. Bill, that movie is terrible, though. I have not seen it since the time. What you need to understand is that my reaction to the Titanic film. Together? No. Why? My, this is my relationship with Titanic. At that point in my life, keep in mind that I did not really have any romantic feelings at all. Until I was 21 years old. Yeah. In fact, I well, hated... I Titanic totally bouncing off. Oh, and but I was exactly the demographic where all of my friends were obsessed with Titanic. I hated Titanic. I saw Titanic four times in theaters. The third time, I remember distinctly, it was in this big theater down in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. Um, I tried to fall asleep. I woke up. They still hadn't drowned yet. 
I was furious. Jesus I went Christ. into the lobby. I spent all the change I had in my pockets to play arcade games. They yeah. still hadn't died yet. I saw Titanic and I was super upset because John Jacob Astor, the richest guy on the ship, in real life, he was crushed by one of the giant smokestacks. Yeah. It fell on top of him, smashed him flat as a pancake. They, he was so, his body was so destroyed, they couldn't even tell it was him until they were rooting through his clothing and saw his name, like, stitched in the back of his jacket. Yeah. Because he was squished flat as a pancake. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, he just dies on the grand ca- uh, staircase when a bunch of water comes in. I'm like, how do you make a movie about the Titanic and you don't show the richest guy in the ship getting flattened by a smoke uh, stack. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you, Taz Cameron! <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, no, yeah, like I said, I, like, I was in the, not to sound like a hipster, but I was in the Titanic a long time before the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, when they first discovered the ship in 1985, I was a fan of, uh, just like any kind of, like, exploration adventure stuff. And when sure. they found out they found the Titanic, that was, like, the biggest news in 1985. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, that sounds so cool! That's a shipwreck and lots of people died. And so my friends It's so were, funny to see you're a fan of the Titanic. I know, that's a weird thing. I know. Like, it's like, you know what? I know, I, you know, the Hindenburg, I was kind of a fan of for a while, but then I disliked that. I unlike oh. that from Facebook. Now I'm more of a, I don't know, I'm kind of upgrading to the Holocaust a bit more. I don't know. Like, Nuremberg, that's kind of cool, but... Uh, you know, yeah. Bill, I'm going to just say for a moment, I'm so proud of you for not making a Two Towers joke right there. I was wincing. I was waiting for it. Wait, you hate that movie? I'm sorry, Twin Towers. Oh. I, I was I waiting. I like the Twin Towers. Oh, two t- <laughs> See? No! Anyway. But yeah, no, so like, uh, yeah, so I have a long, uh, I've read lot, lots of books about that Titanic, so I'm actually something of a, of a hobo, homebrewed Titanic scholar, just from reading all this shit about the Titanic. And uh, yeah, no, it's just interesting that's going to be 100th anniversary. There's nothing more than interesting to say about it. The yeah. Titanic, the whole thing with it being a microcosm of, of humanity on that ship yeah, is is interesting and stuff. And Well, it's also an interesting moment in culture, too. Yeah, culture. Well, it was kind of like the closest thing before World War, II, uh, World War One of showing how fucked up the world was with sure. how all these rich people made these terrible decisions, decisions that got a lot of people killed. And, you know, yeah. of course the poor people and wanted to pay the cost for that, which is, that's essentially kind of like, you know, world war one in mm-hmm. a nutshell too, which happened a couple of years later. And I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like the birth of the 20th century between yeah. like, like, yeah. In, in that era of history. And it gave all the poor bitches on Downton Abbey something to talk about. I know exactly. <laughs> so there we go. That that's Titanic's legacy. Now is that, Oh, it's that thing they mentioned on downtown Abbey. Did you see all the Downton by the way? Did you see all the, yeah. the them like their people compiling all the people on Twitter saying, "Did you know the Titanic was based on a real event?" I'm not to be fair. That was a hundred years ago, uh... and more people know about it through the movie. And the, you know what? And, and, and like seeing the the people tweeting about that, a lot of them look like they're like fucking fourteen. Well, here's the thing: we're about is as my... old as that goddamn movie. Maybe I give. I always assume that people aren't stupid. Yeah, that's pretty much my see, base I'm, reaction. To I'm everybody. enough of a. Misogynist? What's it called? Masoch- er, no, masochist. No, masochist? not masochist. Oh, you hate misanthrope. People. Misanthrope. That, I go. just assume that like I'm you not. Just assume everyone's a dope. I'm not very happy about it, but <laughs> hey, what like what kind of like central history are they missing out on not being fan knowing in the Titanic? Well, I figure there are some things in as American history you World just know II, about. As long as they know Nazis were real, <laughs> that they're not just something invented in a video game. That's when we start <laughs> should start getting upset. Um, Titanic, I can kind of roll with that because it's a bunch of fucking people died a hundred, you know. Fuck that shit. I'm a, I'm a fan, quote-unquote, of the Titanic. You know, I'm like, it's not that essential to history, but, yeah, anyway. Um, all right. So while you got continued to be excited about the Titanic... I can't um, decide. Can't wait for that ship to go down. <laughs> I continued my month of random culture by going to see Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, how'd that go? Where were they uh, playing at? Um, they Why are not? out 
at the Expo Center up in Nopo. What no- got you no- going po. to see Cirque du Soleil, guys? I got a mint in my mouth. What the hell got you going to see Cirque du Soleil? Well, when I was a kid, my folks and I went a couple of times. Oh, like, we went twice as family. Oh, so, for, my, for Christmas, my mom got my wife and I a gift certificate to go see Cirque du Soleil. Aww. And um, I realized that they had, you know, I was like, well, you know, they're paying for our admission. I'm going to pay some more and get primo seats. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So, oh, you can upgrade yourself like that? Well, I mean, she just gave me a, a lump, like, gift certificate. Oh, okay. And so I was able yeah. to spend it however I wanted. So um, went out to the Expo Center. So the Expo Center is basically a big convention hall. And Cirque du Soleil is, um, does not take place in any sort of permanent space. They have a circus that they build. It's like their own little tent and arena. So basically, whenever Cirque du Soleil comes to town, they just need a big fucking field to set up camp in with mm-hmm. ample local parking. Yeah. Well, there's ample local parking because it's, you know, at this convention center. Except I did not know that they were having a auto parts swap meet at the Expo Center, which meant that we were, um, we drove around the Expo Center three or four times before we finally found someone to ask why we weren't allowed in the parking lot. And they're like, oh, we have to park about two miles down, and then you will be shuttled to the Expo Center. What? Um, I should have just taken transit, because the yellow line drops you off right there. Yeah. So we drive down through this awkwardly marked path to park in a ditch. Is this um, downtown a ditch. or out in the This boonies. is up in Nopo. This is up by um, the horse race track. Like, this oh, is the next Portland God. is. So we go out and park into a, in a muddy field. And we are this herded. We are herded onto along with a bunch of other um, old people. By the way, because it's pretty much the I'm demographic. I'm a Titanic fan and a Cirque du Soleil fan. Jesus. Well, the demographic for Cirque du Soleil are people over forty-five mm-hmm. and under ten. That's the demographic for Cirque du Soleil. So, needless to say, we are the only the only um, people. Between, that's were, not true. Were you, were you the only? I will say we were the only 30. homosexuals. I will say that we were pretty much the only homosexuals there, which surprised me a lot. <laughs> Welcome to North Portland. Anyway, oh, so um, uh, anyway, so we're all shoved into a bus, which is an, actually an active service school bus. Like, all the seats were marked with the kids' names who normally sit there. And my wife's too funny. She's just furious the whole time. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm driving two miles down so I can be shoved into a bus with everybody else. And she kept going, you know they didn't sanitize these seats. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you know what? Whatever you want to get mad about. So anyway, we awkwardly get driven. Cirque du Soleil. Is Pretty much. Well, about, no, it was yeah. just re- it was really funny. Before we even got into the show, we were not having a good time. I immediately oh, purchased no. a beer, and I was like, "Okay, this is what I need right now." Yeah. Well, so it was so this uh, Cirque du Soleil. You've never been. It's always a really neat, like you know, it's like there's a lot of athleticism and gymnastics and clowning. But there's always a quote unquote story or yeah, theme there's kind of some to kind it. of narrative to hang everything on. Yeah. Well, I thought it was so cute that my parents chose this one because this was Ovo, which is bug themed. It is insect themed. And I'm a huge fucking screaming arachnophobe. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Oh, hell yes. They're they're fucking gymnasts working with rope all the time. Of course, how could you not have spiders? It was great because I was like, okay, well, it's all really abstract. I'll be fine. And I was fine. There was one bit where a woman, I mean, all the costuming was brilliant. Like, there's this one bit where there's a woman who basically has a big, long fur rope. Except it's, it's, it's cut up into eight sections with white things so it looks like spider legs and there's this whole thing where she's dancing in it i'm like son of a bitch i just the whole time staring at the bald man sitting three rows in front of me just staring at the back of his head but no it was it was really good because it's cirque du soleil and I, I will go at the end of the day i love like there's a part of me it, it totally i said this on twitter it totally pressed the same button as prince persian assassin's creed where i always in my heart of hearts wish i was a parkour motherfucker but i will mm-hmm. never be I do not have the body. I have the body to bear children. That's about it. 
And, uh, yeah, so there's, like, it was just totally inspiring to see all this gymnastics and stuff, and it's beautiful. But, yeah, so the story of Ovo is there's some insects, and one of them has an egg, and they take the egg, and then they give it back, and that's the story of Ovo. It was the least accessible thing I've ever seen in my life, even for obscure French-Canadian stuff. I was like, really, Ovo? Really? Wow. So the performance was great. It was it's beautiful. Afterwards, stupid. my wife was like... And then you get a, had to get back on a school bus exactly. to get back to your car. It was really strange. Oh, my God. On top of that, on top of that, you know, Cirque du Soleil, it's all beautiful people doing amazing things in skin-tight clothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to be confused by wanting to bang a stag beetle. This is just too confusing for me. This is a thought I don't need to have. That is the, the hottest uh, dung beetle. I I yeah. would stop that. That caterpillar, um, I would fuck all 12 Actually, the caterpillar was really nice. Yeah, she was guy a, or girl? It was a. It, it, she wasn't necessarily a caterpillar. She was an insect in a cocoon. With heterosexual uh, preclusions. I could see. It you was actually a woman. Yeah, it was a woman. It was actually the most. I'm gonna say it. It was. It, it was really interesting because all the other times when I see Circus Soleil, I was young, and I was just not a person yeah, cognizant of the human body. You have the juices flowing through your brain no. at that time. It was yeah. really interesting. There's one thing. It was like a woman in a cocoon. Yeah, and she's like trying to burst through from the cocoon. It was really nicely done. I was actually sitting there. But it was like, hot. I tried to find. I was like. This is making me uncomfortable. She goes, me too. Okay. <laughs> so well, least... she did that one go home. Yeah. Try that. I'm going to put you in the fridge and you have to burst yeah. out. It was weird. After it, she was like, naked? pretty much for all intents and purposes. I mean, they're all wearing skin she tight. She's all glistening. Like, it was oh, weird. My nipples. Mm. It was weird. It was strange. Bill designed it was not a... a strip act, Bill. Hey, oh, you know what? If I'm going to design, design my own tit window, uh, I'm gonna keep talking. Yeah, right there. Design so Cirque du Soleil was really great. I enjoyed it. It was a good yeah. time, despite all the bullshit. I would rather go back. I will go again. And my I was talking to my that wife like, did you enjoy Cirque du Soleil it? experience I've ever heard? Because almost every every time I've ever heard anyone go to see Cirque du Soleil, it's always like, oh my god, it was just majestic from yeah. beginning to end. I mean, if you just if you just balls well, it out, like consider the, Cirque du part the athletics are amazing. There's one whole sequence where it's basically a rock climbing wall with all these handholds with trampolines at the base. Yeah, and there's this whole sequence of people just flying all over this wall and dropping down and pummeling back into it. Like, there was a point where there were three men on each end of this rock wall, and they were basically juggling their bodies. Like, they were passing, like, two would be swapping places in the handholds while the third dropped and bounced back up to one of those handholds that had just been vacated by one of these men. I mean, it was stunning, but they were... I don't know. I'm kind of still turned on by the sexy uh, bugs life. <laughs> all all. It was weird. So anyway, it is not unrelated that immediately the next morning after going to see Cirque du Soleil, I went and joined a fucking gym. What, oh, like what kind of gym membership did you I, get? I got a membership at a local gym. It was interesting like because I'm not going to go into the details, but I joined a gym. Okay. And well, um, like you don't live downtown. I don't know what any kind of gyms would be. There are all to make sorts of gyms in Portland. Portland is a health town. Is it? There are gyms every two feet around here. It's all so much books and chocolate and candy. I there are also a lot like, of health like, nuts, dude. Yeah. Think about it. I, well, I figure those people are like I can bicycling. Think of, well, to be fair, you're also not the sort of person who's going to be aware of the buses of the gyms in the area. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Say it, Bill. Yeah. But anyway, no, so it was really weird because my, my wife has spent a lot of time at the gym and in her life. And she's like, this is no problem. I can get back into it. I've never been to a gym before in my life. Ever. Because I pretty much, I was a super athletic person. As a nerd with a flumpy body, I'm already, like, I'm not even worried about the working out part, but like, it's a communal gym. You're going to have to get naked. <laughs> you oh, never have no. to get naked. You never have to get naked. I could if I want to. I go. I went, we've gone twice now. Because I've also heard about some of the, like, the, the, the gyms in town being meat markets and stuff yeah. too. That's what well, I when we wouldn't get the tour, that was explicitly what we looked for. You know what reassured me that this was the gym for me? What's that? I saw a group of three overweight um, ladies, heavily tattooed, working on the um, 
um, uh, the running so it's machines a dike. together. This is the place you want to be not molested. No, 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 no. And then on the second floor, I saw a, a this cute little old Asian lady just in her normal clothes, yeah, working like one of the the press machines. Oh, and I was like, yes, this okay, is that's, yeah, for me. that's a good place. And the dude that we talked to was really great. And I realized as we were talking to him that uh, I have no idea how to be at a gym, so I actually have a personal trainer. I committed, man. Do you have to pay for a personal trainer? Oh yeah. But I'm like, I don't, the whole thing about a personal tra- trainer is basically she's going to be like, you don't know how to be a gym. This, yeah. is, this is what you do. No, that's, it's, uh, that's perfect. So you don't get intimidated and just walk away from being part of the yeah. gym. Yeah. Or, and I don't know what to do, you know, like my wife is great and supportive, but my no. wife wants to be able to lift a car. Yeah. Whereas I just want to be Is there a program healthy. you have to show up like every like certain day? I can if I want up? to. Oh, okay. But you can just show up whenever and you yeah. can just assume your personal trainer yeah. is going to be there. Oh no. With my personal trainer, I'll have appointments. I haven't gone to my first totally. appointment yet. Oh, that is really anyway, cool. So far, it's badass. Uh, do you have like a specific program you want to do? Like, you want to work on your glutes or your abs? I want to be healthy. Yeah, that's all. You I just want to work out. I want to be healthy. I want to not be unhealthy. The whole time I'm watching Cirque du Soleil, like that morning, I can't remember what I was trying to do. Oh, I was clipping my toenails. I was clipping my toenails. This is truly a podcast. Podcast. <laughs> this <moment>. is really. <laughs> I was clipping my toenails. No, I and I, I, I ice cream sandwich in my pocket for the first for time in a long time. Oh my I, god! I was just really stiff because I had been doing something sedentary, and I and I couldn't bend my leg all the way in a way because normally I can I can you could not reach your toes. Well, I could, but normally I rest my foot on my the knee. The gravy boat on your belly tipped over. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Anyway, and I realized I just wasn't, I just needed to stretch first. I can do it because I'm fat, you know. Well, like, yes, yeah. I know. But I was just like, you know what? No, I don't want to be, I'm only 28 years old. I don't want to yeah. not be able to, I don't want to have to limber up to climb, to trim my toenails. Yeah. So, anyway, trying to be healthy. It'll be good. I had to go get, I realized I had no sneakers. So I'm like, I got to go get sneakers. Because you were talking about you just had to buy some sports bras and stuff yeah. too. Man, so I go, Andy was telling me about the horrors of sports bras. That sounds horrifying. Bill was under the illusion that sports bras somehow magically keep your tits from Yeah, jiggling. I thought the whole point was they like just really strapped you down. Not that they made, gave wish. you one big uniboot, but I thought they were like for like, if anything, trying to force them apart and kind of like keep them like separated. No. So it's just like, oh, I wish. like duct tape. You're almost better taping yourself down at that point. Yeah. I was actually, there's a part of me was thinking, I'm like, I can just go to the sex shop and a binder. Yeah. I'm going to be better well, off with that. Binder? A binder is what you use like if i were to do drag i would well, get yeah, that what well, could you do that? it's really not healthy dude you're compressing your body in a moment when you need you freedom of breathe. movement well your your skin can't breathe no, and all this other too. stuff it's bad no. for you so like, your you tits are still bouncing around movement. it's just like yeah you're not being cut by an under like an underwire thing if you yeah. have a sports bra i'm not gonna yeah that's terrible because i was just, yeah i always assumed that sports bras were the last uh, you know, like the last, the big titted woman's last Sports line of defense for comfort. Sports bras are the worst. No, they're the worst. Well, people wear them because they're like, when you have trouble finding a bra that fits what you well. What happens if you just don't wear a bra? Even worse? Let me put it this way. I want to be able to hit 40 without kneeing my tits every time I walk oh, okay. up the stairs. Yeah. That's my goal in life. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. Anyway, um, so yeah, no, I had to buy sneakers. And so I was at that's the sneaker cool. store. That's cool. It's always great to have sneakers. Well, I realized I don't have any sneakers for the first time in a long time. Yeah. I just don't have sneakers. So I was looking at sneakers you... at the discount store. I'm like, I couldn't find any sneakers. I'm like, no, no. Finally, my wife picks up some sneakers that I had already vetoed. She's Because there weren't many in my size because I have a really common size. And yeah. she picks it up and she goes, you're going to buy these sneakers. And I go, okay. why? Why not? I'm like, well, no, I didn't really like them at first. I was yeah. like, no, nah, they're purple. They're not really a color I like or anything like that. She goes, no, no, no. You're going to buy these sneakers because they're tallies or a Vos Normandy colored. And I did. Uh, it worked. She knows. Look at this. Black? Look at it. Look. Tell me those are not tally colored. That's all, man. Those are exactly tally colored. And then Look at Andy's them. also got Mario uh, cloud socks on. I do. Yeah. 
I no, do. you're the walking epitome of nerdiness. But true. anyway, yeah. I'm so... going to put on my Mario hat while we're uh, <laughs> talking about this stuff. So we'll see how much how, how much less fat I can become. <laughs> I'm excited about it, technically. No, that's fantastic. I'm glad anyway, it's... the other thing I did this week is I finished Saints Row the Third. How was that? Damn, that game is Man, good. Man, I was looking at your achievements. You've, you've gotten twice the achievements as, as I've ever got through the well, game. Well, it's because I, I was just playing through the main campaign. I wasn't yeah. trying to do anything extra or anything. It's one of those games. It's It hits. It, it scratches this game itch to some degree as Saboteur did, where I finished it and I was like, I'm going to 100% this game. Okay, yeah. So I almost am. I, I'm getting. That's what I'm doing. What but anyway, you, are there any like a multiplayer? Uh, oh, I'm not. I'm not touching that get? multiplayer stuff. Okay. But yeah, I'm well, like, I don't know if there's any like if you're gonna get 100 percent like if there's any couple like outside. Yeah, I'm not gonna do any of the multiplayer co-op stuff. Yeah. I could care less. But anyway, no man, Saints Row. It's really interesting. Um, the ending of Saints Row is kind of great. Which ending did you get? Because you you make one well, there good are choice two. at the end. There are two choices. If you choose one choice, it says congratulations. If you want to replay the ending, go for it. Did you end up on Mars? Yes. Okay, yeah. Well, the in thing is, is space. did you keep going? Because you can replay that mission, choose the opposite ending. Oh, you know, I got both, and you get achievements for it's, both, too. Well, it's also an insignificantly different ending. Because you can choose to basically look out for your bros, in which case you have a brief, happy ending. If you decide to go... If you decide to I got abandon... both endings. I can't remember what the non-space ending is. Oh, man. It was really good. Is that the better ending? I was super impressed by it, Yeah. I was really impressed by the writing in that game. No, the they, writing in the game was great. Put those games together. They were, it's we great. talked about this last week, but they really know what they're doing. What was really interesting Wait. about it is that I left uh, the Hunger uh, Hunger Games. I left Saints Row the Third. <laughs> well, I was kind of thinking about the same thing with Hunger Games because, like, a, a part of the reason why I enjoyed Hunger Games so much is as you go on, you realize that she very makes a conscious effort that women are super prominent in the Hunger Games in the books. Mm-hmm. Like, when you, later on, when you meet different characters who are prominent leaders, they tend to be women as often as not. And it's handled very casually. And I enjoyed that so much. And I left Saints Row the Third thinking of how empowered that game made me feel. But then I, I talking about the hobo made me realize, I was like, mm, you know what? All of the feelings of empowerment I got from Saints Row were because my character was a female. Okay. And if my character is not a female, then all those feelings are gone. And I was thinking about that to some degree, the Mass Effect. Is it better to live in a world where you can be a woman and play a game with a female protagonist and leave it feeling empowered if otherwise the game has nothing for you? Or it does not, excuse me, does not make you feel good about who you are, about not being something else? Mm. I mean, is that better than just having it? Like, I was thinking about this, like, okay, so this is a really bad example because Uncharted has a lot of strong female. I mean, yeah. Elaine and, and Chloe are great. But, like, if Uncharted had no positive female characters, but you had the option to be a female character, is that better? Because on the other hand, you're getting what you want. Which is great for me, but let's say, you know... Not... It depends on what you're talking about, because it's... it's. I guess it depends on how much you get out of playing as a female, positive female character. But, I mean, all the all of it, the great effects of that, the great side effects of having a female character in that sort of role... Because... Well, are, the, they're totally effect, optional. The Mass Effect, the, the femship, is really just male ship, dude ship. Just with a, a lady Mm-mm. kind of pronouns. What's swapped. interesting is that playing Saints Row the Third as a female made me realize how wrong that was. Oh, yeah? Because really, transparently, in Saints Row the Third, if you choose the dude A voice or female A voice, the dialogue is almost exactly the same. Yeah. There are a few differences. If you play Mass Effect, they make some pretty... Oh, do they? I always pretty... say the dialogue was the same. In, in the cutscenes I've ever seen with Male Shep, 
it's the dialogue's always been the same thing. I'll say. I'm not saying that that doesn't mean there aren't some changes, but I've never noticed any differences when I've seen people playing this. I don't want to make it sound more than it is, yeah. but I always feel like there's always something that when I learn about it makes me feel like at least hmm. in Mass Effect, yeah, do have strong characters like you have Tali and you have Ashley. And yeah. Stuff. So it's at least in Mass Effect you get the best of both worlds where you can play as a strong female character, but you also have like strong female character. I know I hate to use that um, phrase. I feel like a douchebag every time. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that because Saints Row made me feel so good and so but the in- invite included. And I liked what's her name, the female member of your gang, but she's Shandy. not necessarily yeah. like. Well, what was so the totem great of awesome female characters? Well, see, though. that was what she's was cool, so but... great about my character in Saints Row the Third is that she is just a person. Yeah, she's not a chick. Like my wife and I were actually kind of complaining. We're like, man, you should, you never get to mac on anybody in that game. But at the end of the day, you are not a sexual being at all. You are just the sum of your actions. You're just whatever you do. Yeah, exactly. which is which you never get. Well, that's in like, a game. Well, that's another conversation. Is would you prefer to be defined by your gender? What you play as in a game? It was it was amazing in Saints Row the Third. It was amazing. Yeah. It made me feel so good. Well, as a lady playing a female character, it like, made me one feel of the few so times, good. I'm sure the few times that you've ever played a game where your character was female and it wasn't like yeah. you're female. It's just the fact that you're, whatever was between your character's leg it, legs is just completely. Just... And I don't want to slag on Bioware at all because they're so inclusive and I love them. Yeah. But there's always like, well, you're a lady to some degree, and it always anytime those moments come up, I'm always like. Hmm. I don't remember too many, like, moments where, like, Shepard being a lady was, like, really a big deal. It's, you know, or even know. even in terms of, like, how other people treat you. I don't mean you. to ham it up at all. Oh, no, but yeah, I'm sure But it really just was moments. that, just in that Saints Row the Third didn't give a shit. Yeah. And there's a thing about Saints Row the Third where I think it's so amazing that they just included that. I don't think they did that deliberately. Because, like, you played with zombie voice, right? Which cracks me up because you missed out on such good writing. Fifteen minute long cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, oh, such good writing. And everyone's clearly... talking back to me like, "That's a good plan, boss." <laughs> At the end of the day, they don't give a shit. Yeah, they just want to have fun. Which cracks. I mean, it was amazing. God bless them. Well, that's a, that's what's the best thing that really separates uh, Saints Row from uh, Grand Theft Auto is that the fact that they don't give a shit. Like Grand Theft Auto tries too hard to be clever. And try yeah. to be wacky and witty. Well, Since tried, the guys it, who put together Saints Row Three, they just they just are interested in just having fun. And if yeah. you, even if they miss their mark, they're not yeah. so worked up about it that they don't embarrass themselves. Well, Rockstar is in that unfortunate in between where they're really trying to advance video games as an art form. They are, but then they also have the most juvenile, stupidest yeah. sense of humor in the world, in, in, and that kind of contaminates like their ambitions yeah. or what they're Grand trying to Theft do. Grand Theft Auto games. is like. Is their meal ticket, and it is also everything. It's the that... albatross around their neck, creatively. Yeah. Story, in the, at least in terms of telling story and doing stuff with characters. I love Nico Bellic, but the more I think of it, I'm like, man, I love Nico Bellic well, because of who they Nico told Bellic. me who, what he was, not because of who he actually. Anything he does in that game, because yeah. you're a horrible person, is Nico Bellic, even though yeah. you spend the whole game. Yeah. Now I, I come to, to America. No, I no longer We're kill awful. people, except I do kill everybody. Except for all the people I'm that I but, anyway, yeah. Saints Row 3 is great, and also, fuck you, I bought all the DLC. I bought all the DLC! That's fine, there's not that much DLC, and it's relatively cheap, so it's not I've, like, yeah, I've no. only played Gangsters in Space, and it's great. It's the good stuff? It's okay. great. It's a lot of fun. No, the only, the only big things I heard about just complaining about uh, DLC was people were expecting that you could bring the vehicles and weapons you get from the DLC into the main yeah. game, and you can't do that. And I've so that's, what, that's why people seem to be kind of grumpy about. In the one that I played, I got 
those weapons oh, at the end you? of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe it's not or excuse me, not the problem. weapons. I got the the vehicles. Oh, whatever. I'm glad I can have a good time with that game. Man, oh, same speaking throw. of games, I'm get. Uh, I got The Witcher coming in next week. I forgot that's coming out soon. You want to so play I. it? I bought. I, Although, I, I guess the too. review embargo came out. Oh, you're you, you're buying it too. I already. I okay because I have it. the super ritzy edition coming in. I I I mean I don't care. I just want to play the game. Okay, I was gonna. You could borrow it if you don't. If you want to save a couple it. bucks. Okay. Yeah, it's really funny. I'm buying that. I'm buying. Um. Oh, I downloaded this demo for my wife. I forgot. I forget that PC gaming is this whole parallel world of niche gaming. Yeah. And I'm starting to remind myself of that as I'm thinking about buying a PC. But I looked up. I, I found on the demos on Xbox Live the kind of niche game that I was shocked are, is coming to an Xbox. Yeah. It's this game called Sniper Elite V2. What the hell is this? It is a total. It's, I don't want to say it's a bargain bin game, but it's a very clearly not <laughs> a AAA title. Right. I'll say this: You are a sniper in World War II. Yeah. And you're working on your own, and you have to work your way through these environments and snipe your targets. But it's a super technical simulation to some degree because you have to like you have to consider gravity's effect on your wep- on your bullet, and like the wind and sound and all these other things, and you have to be very careful. Like my wife was showing me this oh, one scenario. Okay, it's yeah. really and it, I downloaded it. I'm like, oh, my wife will love this, not knowing how much she would love it. I pre-ordered it immediately. There Is was this just a one release. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's this one bit where she was showing me that she stumbled across this area that had five Nazis patrolling it. And using her binoculars, she was able to figure out who were the higher-ups in command. And she sniped them first. Because if you snipe the higher-ups and the privates don't know what the fuck to do, or if you take out the privates, then the higher-ups will rally them. And it's little things like that. Like, it's not a super polished game because they're just interested in doing, like, the tactical thoughtfulness of being a sniper. And, like, she played for half an hour and maybe killed ten people. Because that's the kind of game that it is. And she had so much fun. <laughs> so that's on my radar. Right for next week, yeah, you're going to be bouncing back and forth between The Witcher and sniping, super sniping simulator yep. game. Yup. Oh, um, man. Also, what happened this week is I have a new... Oh, I mentioned this previously. I have a new policy on Twitter. If you bitch too much about something, <laughs> I'm unfriending you. I don't want to say who it was, but I unfriended this one guy who bitched like oh, three times over the course of two hours about Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. I'm like, nope. And I have never felt so gratified. Is it supposed to be like a free weekend or some kind of like double XP yeah. weekend or something going on? God well, bless I, guess, I, guess, I guess the new patch that came down that fixed your face also yeah. comes with like free like skins. Like, I well, guess now there you was can play a, as, there like, was a resurgence pack. There was a resurgence something pack like of DLC. That, yeah. But, uh, Why was yeah. you complaining about multiplayer? You know what? The, oh, the only thing I have to complain more about the, uh, about Mass Effect 3 is I didn't realize your uh, galactic readiness. Scale goes down because I fired that up thinking at least oh. I don't have to play multiplayer anymore. Nope. And I was like, Fuck. it degrades. Well, if you pick up all the stuff in the, all the war assets, you don't have to worry about I multiplayer. No, but still, it's a little. Huh. Oh, I know. Because I want to get the best green ending. <laughs> um, Fuck you. Also, with, so, with me playing the game a second time, I'm wondering whether or not I should actually like maybe stop right before the last mission and set the game aside until they uh, come out with the. The new endings, because I don't know how they're going to integrate those endings into the game. Oh, it's it, they, have, assume, like, they have ex- they have come out and said that it's just it just it, it's like it extends the existing no, so it's additional cutscenes. Yeah, so stuff. you have to have a save right before the ending, yeah. and then whatever you do, we'll just plug in. Yeah, yeah. so okay. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to play again until then. Also because I will cry. I'm still too emotional about Mass Effect 3. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, my friend for my birthday got me this book. Very belated birthday present. Got me this book called Hyperion. He said, he, this is the preface that he gave me. This is my favorite book in the world. 
I want you to read it. Whenever anyone says that, it's a hella loaded thing to say. Yeah. I have made the mistake of doing that to people, and I have regretted it every time because, you know, A, What they're... would be your book that you would give to people? I've done That's that. That's an interesting conversation. Like, if you had to, if you had to like, lend oh, your favorite book No, see, book I've learned people, I never say that. What would that book be? I never say that, ever, because it becomes weird and loaded. My, I would have to take a copy of Stephen King's It and, like, rip out three quarters of it <laughs> and then hand it to somebody. I have done that, 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 and it's... my favorite book? With my very favorite books, it's almost too personal thing to be so exposed is to say this is my favorite thing in the world yeah. because a then it really colors how people at least with this book in particular i keep looking at this guy and going are you fucking kidding me this is your favorite book that's why you give them you should give them the novelization to hook <laughs> <laughs> so hyperion is really great it's interesting it's a uh. sci-fi ret- for to here's the elevator pitch it's a sci-fi um oh my god canterbury tales so it's um seven pilgrims who are being forced to go on this galactic journey. And there's the, all of them... Canterbury? I read Canterbury Tales in middle school. This is not familiar to me. Well, can, the whole framework of Canterbury Tales, it's all these pilgrims who are sharing stories about why how they yeah, came to this okay, place. Okay, okay, yeah. So this is all about these, these people who are being forced to go on to this religious ritual, even though none of them are of this religion. And um, they're telling their stories to try and figure out why they've been chosen. And really all it is, it's a very clever device to explore all the different facets and perspectives of this universe. Yeah, it sounds like just through a the lenses of these exercise different characters. more than anything else. It's yeah. really interesting because he, he does, it's, it's also one of the hardest sci-fi books I've read in a long time because I'm not like a hard sci-fi science. person. Yeah. Well, not necessarily even that, but just like really hella layered and detailed and mm-hmm. drop you right well, into it and help nice you sometimes. swim. Oh, yeah. it's good. It's really it's good, not just space but I cannot, opera. I keep looking, because like I said, when someone says, this is my favorite book, you can't mm, help, but it's colored yeah. by this person, and also you can't help but go, what? Because this book, so far I've read two, I'm on, on, on story three of however many. Is I this person going to quiz you, you think, when you're no, done No, 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 we'll oh, talk okay. about it, but it's really funny, because he's like, so the very first one is from the perspective of a priest, a Catholic priest. What um, year does this take place? This is like 400 years in the future. 400 oh, okay. years in the future. Who, um, where the climax of it is he gets um, crucified and electrocuted every day for seven years. And we, we read about this in vivid detail. The second story is from a soldier's point of view, where he realizes that the woman he has devoted his life to um, uh, is actually a warrior demon. And he realizes this when he's fucking her and he looks down and she has razor sharp teeth and her body is all metal and her vagina is filled with teeth. How does he not realize this before he looks she, down? She pre- presents herself as a human. And, oh, but so during just for this a moment, particular she sex her. act, she, she, she is revealed as what she sex? is. Like, what no, no, it's is... the context of it is intense. And it totally works. As, but it's mostly I'm like, okay, what the fuck? A, what the oh, fuck ne- is going to happen next? B, what the fuck is this your favorite book? I keep hearing that the last story is really, really good. I'm going to stick with it. I'm totally intrigued. But, man, I do not see how this book is going to keep topping This is not necessarily related to what you're talking about. It just reminded me. Yeah. Uh, In the second Game of Thrones book. Yeah. Is Stannis and the Red Priestess fucking? I don't... mm, uh, She is definitely taking his life force. Okay, because in the show, they answer that definitively in the second episode. Oh, seriously? People are losing their shit. And I'm I'm reading the audiobook for the second book, just thinking about people fucking and like mm. how that can hurt a guy and, and how it could be somebody like a manipulative woman doing the fucking. I don't know. How I feel about that. The red priestess's oh, power. Oh, it's split. It's, it's well, no, 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 no. I'm saying I don't know. How I feel about that. They fuck on a tabletop map of all Westeros. Oh wow, that's not subtext. No, that's no, no, no. Text. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, oh, I don't know. How I feel about that. Yeah. Oh man, 
because the that one last friend... episode had so much sex position. Like there was like at least man, they know what joy. He explains his whole life history. Why fuck? It's just. You need to hear anyway. Theagre enjoy because if you don't know his context, man, then well, you're going to be really he, lost. He really is just like, when I was a kid, I was taken <laughs> by the stocks. And, and she's like, yes, tell me more about what your life history uh, anyway, um, Oh, man, we, he meets his sister. His friend? Uh, his <laughs> yeah. sister, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, you're talking about Hyperion. I'm totally derailing the conversation. Anyway, no, I'm, it's, I'm enjoying it. It's weird as shit. It's not the kind of book I normally read. That sounds really cool, though. It's really enjoyable. That's a great world-building exercise. It's just a very clever frame advice. travelers saying, hey, this is, like, something that happened And it's me. also so smart because you're able to write with so many different voices. Yeah. And this author does so a very good job. So the guy didn't die if he was fucking a sex robot. Evil he thing. didn't not die. I'll say this: oh, okay. it's this. This book is very that's, good. That's cool, though. I'm enjoying it. It's just really fucking weird. Okay. Anyway, okay. um, uh, highly recommend it so far. We'll see how it goes. Okay. I'm reading it over my lunch breaks, so I'm only I'm only a couple hundred pages in. Okay. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Sure. Um, yeah, man, I've just been busy this week. I don't know with what in particular, but I, how I know I'm busy is that I have a pile of comics on my ottoman. That's maybe about, and I'm talking about monthly pamphlets. Yeah. It's about 17 deep that I've just not getting huge. Just not had a chance to read yet. However, the one thing it did when I read my comics, I sort them in order of excitement, and I put the ones I'm most excited about. (laughs) Anticipation. I do. I put the ones I'm most excited about on the bottom, and the ones I'm least excited about on the top. Oh, so you have to get through like your vegetables to get to dessert? Not quite, because it's all dessert. But it's like there's the dessert I really want, and then there's my real dessert, you know. But um, for whatever reason, mostly because I wasn't expecting to like it as much, Becky Cloonan's Conan. Um, book that she's working on with Brian Wood. Becky Cullen, is she a writer or an artist? She's an artist. And she is now my favorite oh, artist all at once. Um, I don't know why I picked it up. Oh, Conan, why are you reading Conan books? I would exactly. Because Brian Wood is also the writer, and Brian Wood, I can take her leave. But yeah. um, it's Becky Cloonan's art just looks so great. I had to pick it up. And it's called, um, what is it? Queen or Queen of the Black Seas. Yeah. Have you ever read Conan stuff before? No. I've tried to... What's his name? What's the name of writes um, Conan? I've tried Robert... Uh, uh, I've read oh, some of his stuff nice before. Artwork. It's beautiful! It is beautiful. Leonard the sense Nimoy of... Leonard invented Conan in 1922, <laughs> it says. Um, uh, Becky Cloonan's work on in this Conan book is amazing. It is amazing. It is three issues in. I cannot get enough of it. She's got a nice stylized... It's not like Frank Frazetta. It's, her composition kinda... is perfect. Well, it's very distinctively her own. Yeah. The bodies are perfect. The motion is perfect. The fighting the is perfect. Really nice. It's great. Oh, it is okay. some of the best. Like, this it's looks just... more like a modern comic rather than like... It seems like a lot of people try to draw Conan, try to yeah. tap end of like the old yeah. like 100 years ago illustration stuff which isn't bad but no. that just means a lot of Conan comics tend to look like yeah this her work and also I mean I'm gonna say it a lot of people when they do work for higher stuff very clearly do not put their heart into yeah, it they're just and kinda... so you can have a really good artist do something that's work for hire and not necessarily give 100% she, or... good, she does good sultry ladies too oh man her ladies are great her guys are great it's I love how great... she draws Conan in particular nice boo Man, I cannot get enough of this Conan comic. Mostly because I, I didn't expect the it to. Writing's pretty good, though. The writing's fine. Yeah. It's Brian Wood. Oh, so you're really more reading it just for the eye candy. Which I very it. rarely do. And what I really like about it is yeah, the coloring. Yeah, because you're an eye candy kind of distractible person. Yeah. When I, I very much so view comics holistically. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to read something just with pretty art yeah. and when bad writing or vice versa. And, and and not to say that the writing in this is bad. It's totally competent. It's totally Conan. But I cannot get over her art. And I love the Dave um, Dave Stewart. I think is doing the coloring. And he he's done a lot of work on BPRD and a little work on Hellboy. Is where oh, I'm most guy, okay. familiar with him. Isn't Dave Stewart the guy who also invented not that Dave Stewart? 
who invented uh, the Rocketeer? Or am I confusing things? He Maybe was not. Stuart. Was he Dan Stewart? I'm yeah. awful. Anyways, anyway, I'm but it, the coloring is really nice because it's a good um, supplement. My thing is that there are a lot of artists who very vividly have a very strong sense of line work and then color comes and distracts from it. Or worse, where the colorist finishes. This is going to sound weird. Dave Stevens created Dave Stevens, there you go. I don't like it when a colorist finishes what the inker is doing. Like when the, if your composition and inking can't stand on its own without color, there's a part of me that feels like you have not done your job appropriately. Okay, yeah. And I know that's kind of snobbery on my part, but I'm also not a big fan of super elaborate, super detailed coloring for the most part. Mm-hmm. I like, because I really do like strong line work, and I think that color should supplement strong line work as opposed to overwhelm it. It's kind of like a good score in a film. Yeah. It's my feeling, at least. But yeah, everything in this comic really gels. Can't speak highly of it enough. Queen of the Black Seas, is that what it's called? Becky Cloonan, Dark Horse Comics, Conan. Pretty as fuck. Cool. Yeah. I would like to commission Becky Cluna to draw me Sarama Hit Art. I'm just saying. That's my feeling on it. Aww. So, yeah, even though um, this was on the top of my comics pile, I, I wish I'd put it at the bottom. This has already gotten getting us into Geek Week review stuff, but did you see uh, the Alabaster comic strip that just came out? Uh, it's art by Steve Lieber, yeah. uh, a friend of the podcast, Steve Lieber. Yeah. Man, every time I think uh, like think about people now, I automatically put in a friend of the podcast, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, it, it it's cool, me. guys. You're cool with me. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Steve Lieber, he, uh, it's a brand new, uh, is it Dark Horse, too? I think a friend of the podcast, Rachel, or is edited, it edited also oh, edited Oh, no, 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 no you're I right, it is Dark Horse. Yeah, Dark Horse comic. Uh, that's a comic, have you seen any uh, uh, panels or any mm-hmm. artwork from that? Mm-hmm. Where that's a crazy coloring job in that, too. Yeah. Also, friend of the podcast, Dylan McConus uh, posed for most of the photo referencing. Oh, did that, she? Yeah, so if you look at the comic, it's a lot of, like, Dylan poses yeah. and stuff. It's, it's it's really cool. Steve Lieber does beautiful work. Just yeah. such good but work. But the coloring look, that, that's a really cool. Uh, yeah. Just the look of that comic looks really sharp. And yeah, Alabaster number one just came out this week too. Oh, also Adventure Time uh, number three just came out. I haven't been able to get to the comic shop to pick it up. No one we know is involved in this one. <laughs> so finally. I don't care. Oh, That's still Ryan Coon North writing it. Yeah, exactly. I want money in his pocket any yeah. day. So I'll have to pick it up, but I'll, that'll have to wait because, yeah, I'd, uh, I just have to get back to the, the comic book shop. But, uh, yeah, comic books. Comics. I I always forget how much I love comics until I get hit comic that just totally hits my sweet spot. I'm like, fuck yeah, comics. I also don't read a lot of sword, I mean, it's not sword and sandals, but, like, sword and sandals comics because there just aren't a whole lot that are my thing. It's kind of a dying genre. It's a kind of a niche thing now. But but I'm I'm totally, what I like about the Conan stuff is it reminds me a lot of the work in, um, oh, what's his name? Mechner. Jordan Mechner did a comic called Solomon's Thieves. Yeah. Um, where the uh, the with really also really good line art and really good coloring and that comic totally was for the demographic of Anne Maloney like just I was that's me right there, so and it kind of reminded me somewhat of that because that was more of a grand adventure whereas Conan is more of a brrr, you know like yeah you know. sword to sword play just uh, chopping still, heads off and shit yeah. you know I I can't speak highly enough this comic everybody go read it oh, cool. we'll go to the Geek Week in review the Geek Week review um I'm gonna throw this out there cerealmarshmallows.com what is cerealmarshmallows.com it is exactly what it sounds like <laughs> I just found this I was looking up Nintendo stuff uh before the podcast just for my Nintendo history book and for some reason I found a, a link to this URL it's cerealmarshmallows.com what it seems to be it seems that these people People take all the marshmallows out of, like, boxes of Lucky Charms oh, and sell them me? to you. And you could buy uh, up to a 95-pound bag for $400. 
of course they come in smaller packages too of uh of of of, of marshmallows from cereals from like uh, lucky Lord. charms and stuff like that they market like they're, they're, the way they're marketing this as not just instead of instead of just like committing uh, suicide through diabetes is you could put these marshmallows in cereals that don't have marshmallows like you could put it in special k and stuff i joined and... a gym i, I am not the demographic <laughs> Special wow. low calorie one like single serving packs. I love low calorie <laughs> cereal like, marshmallows. Best, but yeah, cerealmarshmallows.com wow. is fucking fantastic. Yeah, but I just found that right before we started recording. Um the Looper trailer. Yes. Man. Man, I'm so pumped about this. So Ryan Johnson is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. There's some filmmakers, Edgar Wright also falls in this category, mm-hmm. where there's a part of me that cannot wait to fast forward to 30 years in the future and having their best of collection or on my shelf. box set, really, yeah. Yeah, because these are just guys where their films, even if they're not, you know, like, they're, they, every single film make is a good time. Yeah. Is worth seeing. They, 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 at the very least, they make interesting films. Yeah. So, like, Ryan Johnson has only come out with two so far. Excluding yeah, he Looper. did, uh, Ryan Johnson, he did Brick and oh, The Brothers Brick. Brick is a movie that I still sticks with me it still sticks in my teeth that is i think one of my favorite movies yeah in the world. if people haven't seen it it's a high school saying, detective noir thing saying that sentence it's totally stupid as hell yeah but it's it's really interesting this is kind of jordan uh joseph gordon levitt's kind of breakthrough performance outside it's so funny of that you Third keep Rock saying that because well, it was not for me it was for what you else? it was he was in this movie called mysterious skin that made put him on the critical scene again <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. It also has Lucas Haas from, uh, is he in Explorers? I have no idea what you're talking about. A child star Lucas Haas. He's he's in, uh, Um, two. He plays the, who's who's the crime boss? Oh, the pin? The pin! He plays the pin? Yeah! He was all the Lucas Haas. Was he in, was he in Flight of the Navigator? No, it wasn't him. He's, uh, anyway, Lucas Haas was in the So, no, Brick is amazing. uh, Ryan Johnson, yeah, Brick was awesome, and then he followed it up with a movie called The uh, Brothers Bloom a couple years ago. Man, Brothers Bloom. So his films tend to stick in my teeth. So Brick, I did not know anything about, blew me away, went to go see it alone one night in a movie theater. I walked home from downtown Portland to where I lived at the time in just the Portland evening, and it was one of the best film-going experiences I've ever in life because I knew nothing of this film. I just went to go see it at a whim. I, all I knew about it was, that, oh, it's high school noir. Yeah. And that is such an underselling of it. And it blew me away. So when I went to go see Brothers Bloom, I went to see it with you, actually. And I um, was totally overexcited about it. And at the time, <laughs> felt very mixed about it. A lot of people bag on the Brothers Bloom. I think it's unfounded. I think the problem with the Brothers Bloom for a lot of people is it is a very different film from Brick. Yeah. It is similar to the Brick in that it is, is it is hyper-stylized. But ultimately, whereas Brick is a very cynical... Um, a uh, story about you know getting by. Brothers Bloom is a story about love, yeah. and in all its different ways. And it's um, and it's other than a strong sense of style, are very very different. Brothers Bloom is now one of my favorite films of all time. Dude is just a hell of a filmmaker. Both movies have great scores by Ryan Johnson's brother. Uh, yeah, cousin. Oh, cousin. Uh, oh, okay. Matthew John- Nathan Matthew Nathan Johnson. Um, oh man, I am so pumped about Looper. Yeah, Looper. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays young Bruce Willis, and that's all you need to know, right there. Isn't that the best career move for him to make himself try to look at like as much like old Bruce Willis as possible? No, because even the way. 
way he's kind of snarling his face in a lot yeah. of stuff in this movie. He's oh no, like... he is doing the best Bruce Willis impression. Like, there's some point in the trailer where he <laughs> says something, and for a minute there, I'm like, fuck, it's young Bruce Willis. Yeah. It totally is. And they did a really neat job because rather than really try to, like, make transform him entirely, they gave him contacts, they they leveled out his lips, like, and they beefed up his jaw. Something like, it's like, like it's he really looks, he looks, subtle. He looks like he's gained weight. Yeah. He doesn't look like the thin, wiry, like, dapper... Well, he uh, looks Jordan, more burly. JGL of yeah. uh, Inception. It's he fascinating. Like yeah. Because really, rather, if you look JGL. at... If you look at a... Pi- Jiggles. Um, if you look at a picture <laughs> of young well. Bruce Willis from the ta- age he's supposed to be, Justin Gordon Lovett does not necessarily look like him. Yeah. But he does it's look like someone who would... style or, Well, like... he looks like someone who would grow up to be Bruce Willis now. Yeah. Which I think is really clever and smart. But yeah, like, uh, I love the time travel effect in the movie, because you get to see people pop in from the future, and they just pop in. Yeah. It's just like, there's no special effect, they're just there, and then they're not there. Yeah. And that'll be it, man, that'll be a cool movie. Yeah. That, that, that's... Ryan Johnson, I will... Like, even if it's not a great movie, it will be interesting to see. I will show up to see every Ryan Johnson movie opening night for the rest yeah, of my there's life. There's no reason not to. Just like Edgar Wright, I do the same. I will yeah. always have a good time. I will always get my money's worth. I trust that filmmaker implicitly. Yeah. He is the best. Um, according to Will Arnett, uh, they're just about to start shooting the rest of the uh, development movie or miniseries for Netflix, and then they're going to go directly into finally filming the rest of the development movie this summer. Part of me doesn't want them to make any more rest development. Rest development see. is so perfect. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what they do with the bridging with a new miniseries going into the movie. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see what they do, knowing that they're not going to get canceled in the middle of it, that they have like 12 new episodes they can do and then just a movie and they can cap it off forever. Has there ever been a TV show that made a movie that turned out good? If any movie could, if any series could do it, it would be Arrested Development. It's just weird that it keeps happening. Because yeah. has there ever been one that satisfied the fans? It of... was pretty good for what it was. But it made and no that, money. That also acted, I, well, if you're just talking about financially. Well, I'm talking about either way. Because uh, fans, just as many fans shat on it. Graffiti. They're almost the same. They're even X Files. I guess the most successful TV oh, movie X-Files was the X Files movie. movie no. I guess. Oh, well, you're talking I about like a movie it's... based off a TV series. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that, that is a direct sequel, not like a remake or anything like that. Well, see, even that was yeah, a retelling. I'm um, serious. Like, I, it's so weird to me that this is considered something that is viable. How many movies were extensions of the actual show? I can't even think. Of I can't that think. Many of, I can think of X Files. I can think of Firefly, and I can think of Arrested Development. There has to be something more than that. But you're also talking about financially successful. Well, I'm talking about successful like, period yeah, because neither was interesting because it actually did perform as a nice little cap of the series. Well, see, I think I remember the time the you were kind of meh on the film. On Serenity? Yeah. I kind of, like, appreciated what they were doing. I was bummed because, like, it opens it up. I think the sequels could have been a lot more interesting. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to pack way too much story into the first Serenity film, and if they had sequels that could have, like, evolved the world in interesting uh, ways. But no, I, like, uh, I, I was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with uh, Serenity. But yeah, I can't think of any other, yeah. Uh. It's just a weird thing, because nerds always say, make a movie. And I'm like, why? Six seasons when has that worked movie? out? Yeah. When has that worked out? Oh, that's the other thing I'm doing. I'm, I may be contributing uh, stuff to a community art project. And by community, I mean uh, the TV show starring, maybe not starring for too long, uh, Chevy Chase. Uh, I might be doing something involving Inspector Spacetime. We shall see. Um, details anyway. of J.K. Rowling's new book, The Casual Vacancy Are Out. Yeah. The book is a black comedy about a small English village called Pagford. The, do, uh, the book is due out September 27th. It will be Here's Bill's joke, everybody. Are you ready for Bill's joke? Here it comes. Are we ready for Bill's joke? Everybody, here we go. Oh my 
Here we go, everybody. It will be 2,500 pages long, weigh 19 pounds, and come with a trailer for the first three films based off the book. Bird, 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 bird. Bird. But yeah, I'm just glad uh, that this will give us an opportunity to actually become fans of J.K. Rowling as an author and not just Harry Potter fans. Yeah. I can't imagine this won't be entertaining at yeah. least. I mean, like, people are going to be disappointed when it's not like this big epic. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck those people. The, actually, it's funny that we should talk about this right I'm now. I'm already because... on 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 the uh, casual vacancy defense force. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that book could be shitty. You never Poor know. Poor kid. But... Yeah. I, I, the, actually, the part of Hyperion I'm on right now is a poet telling his backstory, and he comes out with his first book that just so happens to hit the zit- zitgeist in such nope. a way that it makes him billions. And he wants to come out with a second book, and they're like, No, 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 no. Your problem. It's not going to sell because it's not your first book. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. So did you see no, that only so like, well. the hardcover is like $35? Did you see that? Isn't that typical for a book? MSRP? I have never paid. I, when if you, it's $35, you can get it on off Well, I know that. I know yeah. we'll be able to buy less than that. And part of me wonders if it's not well, like Stephen King preemptively books priced. Are like the same. Are they? Like high? No, 35 that, that is still a lot. But Maybe uh, I just never buy know, hardback that's books the anymore. Thing. No, hardcover books, they can be up to like 40 bucks just for a normal book. See, not I'll pay 40 bucks for a book. coffee table book. I will not pay 40 bucks for... How much for... were the Potter books? They were dirt cheap. On, like, I remember. I think the last one was 27 bucks. That's what I remember. That's not uh, considering that was it like like what for, for like five years ago. That's not that big of a leap, even if you're just comparing it directly. Thirty five bucks. Thirty five bucks. That sounds about right. To me, look, that look, is look at prices for like large. Maybe uh, maybe I just don't books. ever read. I'll pay thirty five because like there's some books. Book. There's some things where I there's some things I want as hardcover. A, a book like that, I do not want to read a hardcover. Like yeah. I brought my friend's Hunger Games buy hardcover. I hate it. Yeah. I'm not an ebook person. I want to buy it. Yeah. I want to have a book. I'm gonna have to wait for the paperback. Me me me. I'm gonna unfriend myself right now. <laughs> Listen to me. This is awful. Positivity. Positivity. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. God bless J.K. Rowling. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. That lady. I'm just so happy. That's also about a whole community. It's not just about kids. Or... There are so many authors who write their thing and then get burnt out or it scared. Like she's trying. I'm sure she's it's going to have scared. that witty British humor. I'm sure it's going to be like the tone of it is going to be very. I'm Harry just Potter-ish. really impressed with her that she's not scared. <sighs> yeah, I know. Like, there's a part of me that was worried and she'd go all Harper Lee on us or something. Three casual vacancy books, packed she... food books. Hopefully, this is like she'll do this and then she'll do something else two years from now. Who knows? Hopefully she's got like three or four books in the hopper, and this is the first one to come out. And she strikes me as the kind of lady where I believe that. Oh, she got no. She's had plenty of time, and yeah, well, I like that lady. Yeah. So all the nerds are freaking out because Nintendo has registered Super Mario Four. And that's all website. that's really happened. Yeah. I'd say all the nerds are freaking out. That's terribly dismissive. That's a big me. deal. Super Mario Brothers Four. Yeah. I've been waiting twenty years for Super Mario Brothers Four. <laughs> Technically, I guess in Japan, Super Mario Brother uh, Super Mario World was uh, labeled as Super Mario Brothers Four. Oh, was it? But that's not what it's really known. And so people are wondering, oh, well, has it already been confirmed that Miyamoto is working on a new 2D Mario? Uh, for what system, he hasn't said, but, um, yeah, this, this, this will be interesting to see what this is. I want this to actually, and like, and did you ever play New Super, new Super mm-hmm. Mario Brothers? Yeah. That was fun, but it was kind of generic in its design, and kind of like even the music and the graphics isn't, were kind of like... is any Mario game by its nature going to be generic, unless it's like yeah, Super Mario Sunshine? I would like this to be actually like maybe like hand-drawn sprites or something like that. that actually then it wouldn't be Super Mario 4. Look. Or then it should be pixelated. They, I, what would be... Of course, I'm saying this is a, like, because I'm an 8-bit fan. It would be great if they kind of did the Mega Man 9 route and actually did a retro, yeah. like, 8-bit like NES, like Mario game, but that's or not Super, super accessible necessarily. I know, that's... Mario by its nature has to be hella accessible. I would love that, but then I, I was thinking, like, if you still, if you had to make it a two D game, not even like a two point five 
uh, 3D game like mm-hmm. New Super or the Super Mario Land was, mm-hmm. if you had to do it like a flat 2D uh, game, it'd mm-hmm. be great if they made it look like something like Rayman Origins, where it's fully animated. Yeah, that and would still be played like a Mario game, but it really took advantage of the fact that you could do like really beautiful HD graphics. I mean, who knows what it's going to look like. It's probably just going to look like the same car. It'll probably just look like new Super Mario Brothers and just... It, but, it, like, if they had new power-ups and they actually tried yeah. to evolve it from, like, Super Mario Brothers 3 rather than just... I don't know. It could be interesting. But we'll see what happens. Well, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that at E3. Um, Ron Schwarzschark. <laughs> Calamity John. I love that Calamity John finally birthed himself a good meme. Calamity John Morris is an amazing man, and I love him, and he's one of my favorite artists on the internet. I have actually on, in my office, on my wall, um, his Hell Pop, which is his oh, drawing right. of Popeye's Hellboy, which is brilliant. Little, I've got like a, oh, I've got his little, a uh, little Batman mug glass over here, a little pint glass. Anyway, well, Calamity um, John is a great- Anyway! He's a, no, no, no. That's the way. I love old Batman. Um, yeah. Calamity John is a, has been plugging away in the online comic scene for years now, and he's a great illustrator. He's a funny guy. He's a good guy, and um, of course, this is what he—he's gonna be his most internet famous thing. God just bless him. Just essentially just taking panels from. Uh... No, no, no. It's it's either pictures of Ron Swanson and then superimposing them with quotes from Rorschach from. Oh, and then or Watchmen or vice versa. Panels of Rorschach with yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's not much more to say about them. That's just what it is. If you know those two characters, that's the joke. It's it's pretty um, amazing. But they're though. fucking hilarious. I don't know. I can't remember what what the URL is of his website is. Or if you just like Google Ron Schwarzschark, you'll find it. The other thing to come up that was a uh, 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 Ron Swanson related was the revelation that uh, Ron Swanson may be based off of John Schwartzwelder, who was one of the biggest writers for The Simpsons twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who he had written. Something like like some, like seventy six Simpsons episodes. Oh wow! He was their most prolific writer, but he was a notorious recluse, libertarian, gun nut, liberal hating. Yeah, like loved to smoke. He loved like you know bacon and eggs and yeah. like all. He essentially he, like so. Uh, one of the producers pointed out that oh no, it wasn't a producer. I, I think it was like somebody who had worked on the Simpsons had pointed out that like they even look the same. They have the same yeah. mustache. Like yeah. And uh, so, and the guy who created Parks and Recreation, Greg Daniels, he yeah. used to work, be a producer and writer on The Simpsons when yeah. John Schwarzwelder was writing stuff. And then Bill Oakley uh, came out this week, who is now a producer on Portlandia, who lives, lives now in Portland, but he also used to be one of the producers on The Simpsons. He's like, oh, you know what? That may actually, that would not be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if it, that's who Ron Swanson is based on. But yeah, John Schwarzwelder, Schwarzwelder. He's actually a writer now. He does no longer. He does not write uh, Simpsons episodes anymore. But he writes like goofy little science fiction novels about time travel and stuff. Yeah, and he's a very funny guy. He loves old timey shit. He loves old timey like. Ah, what are you doing there, son? See now, but in response, nah. I keep trying to think of Ron Swanson writing The Simpsons. <laughs> it's hard to see that how that would work. But he was probably the best, most <sighs> essential Simpsons writer ever. So that's the, the funny possible revelation that came to light this week. Ugh. Man. I don't want to talk about the pack stuff. Why did you put that on here? Why? That is not actually interesting. I just I just like the fact they actually booted somebody out of packs for uh, showing too much tits. More power to those guys. Well, they didn't did boot her out. Did you see the costume? Yes, oh, I no, did. They asked her to put on a they hoodie. They asked her to put on a hoodie. Oh. See, this is why I don't want to have this conversation. Oh, I, it is I, a non-story. I was did you see the outfit, though? It was, it was pretty She intense. had to shave her vagina just to, like... Yes, she did. <sighs> If you have to trim the grass, maybe don't. Oh, for Pax Prime, I should dress like her. <laughs> oh, God. Give you a good excuse to trim your grass. I have to invest $400 worth of pink latex <laughs> to mold myself into. 
Oh, oh my god. So everybody was um, floating the link around this weekend for a documentary called I Know That Voice. I wish I could send this documentary back in time to um, 11-year-old Annie. Yeah. Because 11-year-old Annie would plots. It is Aww. a um, documentary about um, hella prominent voiceover actors the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, everybody except for Trust Me Neil. And Frank Welker. Just realize, Frank Welker not Frank featured. Frank Welker, he's more known for, aside from he's like done Megatron. every single animal no- voice in... What did you talk to him about? Are you fucking serious? He also has done a lot of voices, too. He is the voice of Freddy. Man, I love you as Apu, the monkey, and Aladdin. How did you do that? He's invalid because he does... Well, hopefully, though, there's actually... They're missing a lot of people. Like I said, Tress McNeil and some other people. I was actually... There was a part of me that I did not want to watch... To, because it does not have Tress McNeil. When I was a kid, I think I've talked about this. I wanted to be a voiceover Anyone, actor. Anyone, if, if you know us, and oh, if you Tress know us McNeil. and like us and listen to this podcast, you'd know Tress McNeil's voice, even if you don't know who her what who she is and what I wanted is. to grow up to be if Tress McNeil. If you've watched The Simpsons or uh, Futurama or uh, any of the Animaniacs, Warner Brothers stuff from the last 20 years, yeah. like, yeah, you've heard Tress McNeil. Oh. Um but yeah, uh, but the, the documentary does have June Foray, who did the voice of Rocky the Squirrel. Yeah. She's like 800 years old. She's still working. She's still alive. Yeah, she's and alive she's and still doing, working. She does, in the, in the trailer for the documentary, she does yeah. the Rocky Squirrel voice, and she still, she's trying to do it, but she's like, ah, we're a squirrel. Did you see that she has a Rocky the Squirrel ah, pendant on? Like, she has a necklace that's yeah. Rocky the Squirrel. Yeah. Oh, she's man, like, June Foray. God bless. Oh, and then the, speaking of the, the, I was telling Annie right before we recorded the podcast, just this week I also discovered a podcast called Talkin' Tunes, which is hosted by the guy who does the voice of Yakko on Animaniacs. What's his name? I can't Ron remember Ron Paulson, I think it yes, is. Yes, Ron Paulson. Um, where he uh, talks about uh, the, uh, what it's like to be a freelance uh, voiceover artist, and he also interviews other freelance artists. Uh, I was listening to uh, his interview with Great Alisle who did the voice of Azula on Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. just because, you know, we're talking about Avatar The Last Airbender this, this week. And yeah, it's really weird because he spends the whole time talking about how hot she is. They spend more time, like, they're obviously friends. Like, yeah. they're, like, trading stories about, like, hanging out with uh, other voice actors and going on doing different projects and stuff like that. But he sounds like a real horn dog. Maybe that's yeah. just, like, like, specific to, like, that one episode. Maybe he's just kind of teasing her. Yeah. But he spends the whole time, like, you're so beautiful. I can't, I, I don't know if I can be alone in the same room with you. But it's the voice of Yakko saying this? And it's you know, extra creepy? Yeah, I'll believe it. Yeah. You know, the one thing about I know my vo- that voice that made me feel really, like, self-awarely nerdy? Yeah, it was actually one of the nerdiest thoughts I've had in a long oh, time. No. We're watching. I'm watching the trailer, and all of a sudden, Andrea Romano comes up, Who's that? and I got starstruck. Andrea Romano was the voice casting casting director for pretty much every like. I mean, she's she cast. Is she God. actually an actress too, or is she just? I don't. A I don't know of her as a voiceover she actress. She actually does get interviewed on this. Uh, this podcast I'm telling about the talking she, tune. She's just I always when I was a kid and I was obsessed with voiceover actors. Whenever I would look at the cast on like these TV shows, and, and, yeah. And Tiny well, she and she did both those shows and other all all oh, the okay. Warner Brothers shows and more than that. But I would always see her name and go, man, what a cool job! Yeah. Like finding the voice for these characters. I became totally like upset. I never knew anything about her beyond her name and the shows she worked on and what good job she did casting. Yeah. And I had this whole fantasy of who she was oh. and what she did and how well, cool her job would be. She's, she's, there's a whole episode about her. I don't know if podcast. I actually want to know about out. her. What if she's I an know. asshole? Maybe. What if she's female Ron Swanson? <laughs> the other reason I listened to this uh, Great Alisle episode is because uh, I th- I thought I heard her voice in Skyrim yeah. as the wife of the guy who owns the shop in the first town you visit in Skyrim. Yeah. 
And I wasn't quite sure. And so I spent the whole time listening to the episode hoping she might mention, like, yes, I need a voice in Skyrim. Man, no Just voice director is going to talk about a bit part that they did for, like... That's one of the things they talk about this one episode I listened to about how yeah. sometimes when they really want to get by, they'll, they'll, like, you know, when when work is really rough, they'll pick up video game work. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> the way they phrase it is kind of like, yeah, I've done a couple yeah. video games. That shit's kind of bullshit. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I will say this. Skyrim. I will say this, playing Saints Row the Third, the voice that I have for... My my, um, Does my it lady. show up on other people? No. No? But she's a really good voiceover actress. Like, I keep wanting to send her name to Bioware and say, no, 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 seriously. Whatever your next not Mass Effect game is, I want to play this oh, woman. Really? Which voice did you choose in Saints Row? A default lady. Just default lady. Which I was, it, were I choosing, I probably would have chosen, yeah. well, your options are, um, uh, um, Russian, or like default, English? vaguely Russian, vaguely Jersey. Okay. Were I choosing, I probably would have chosen Jersey. <laughs> I'm so glad I did it, because this woman, I think her name is Jessica Bailey? Okay. Amazing. Great. So great. Do you know who Such a wry sense of humor. Actually, I want her to voice the next Dragon Age oh, character, because yeah? that would be great. Do you know who so Tara great. Strong is? Yeah. She's done a shit ton of work. You'd recognize her voice a million times. Yeah, She's Bubbles. All. I'm going to listen to more of these. She did Bubbles? She's Bubbles. Wait, who's Bubbles? Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls. Oh, okay. She does the really cute voices for the little girls. God. But she also does, like, she's oh, she's a totally great, varied voiceover actors. She's great. Um, so, yeah, so that's 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 the voiceover stuff. Um, the Better Business, <sighs> Better Business Bureau agrees that advertisements for Mass Effect 3, in particular how ads phrase players' ability to completely shape the outcome of their own stories and achieve wildly different endings, were falsely worded. Did you read this article, or did you just read, read the headline? I know, it's, they're not saying it that, wasn't, no, 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 no. Like it going. wasn't the Better Business Bureau. It was, like, some intern at I the Better was... Business Bureau. Is like, some dude who's, like, on the lowest echelon. record, then. Who is, no, 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 no. I mean, it's, like, this whole thing, it drives me fucking batshit. I'm unfriending you on Twitter. No, it's, like, it's, like, no, seriously. It was, like, basically oh, this one dude who's, like, sorting their mail gives his opinion. Oh, that's This is it? not, like, any sort of legal, like. Oh, I thought there was like, an official, like. No. the Better Business Bureau like, was going to no, go. He, he said Bioware. he said their their wording was questionable and they should be careful. That's what he that's said. It's not wrong. He was a consultant. Well, that's what advertising. You, you guys are all bullshit. Somebody got Don Draper on that shit. Every single Mass Effect ending has been shitty and vague. You guys are driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm walking away. This week, Peggy kicked her husband to the curb. Thumbs up for her. Yes, man. You would love this because it's mad. She Thank you for baby. immediately changing the subject away from this. So I don't have to smack you. It's it's her name with the big tits. She said, "Husband, you go Who away." Who are you talking about? A madman. You know, when, there's only one character on Mad Men has got big tits. I barely am cognizant of Mad Men. Do you oh, mean Christina Hendricks? Yeah, my yes. husband was going to Vietnam, and so everyone's like, "Oh, I can't wait for that episode where he dies in Vietnam." I'm so sad. She instead, she's like, "Fuck you, get out of here! I'm gonna raise my baby by yourself." Yeah. Fuck yeah! I love Never Joan Harris. Never Mad Men. Anyway, ever. It's great. So I'm excited All about. Oh, and Don Draper choked a bitch. <laughs> No shit, he choked a bitch. I'm not saying that to See, be funny. No, 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 that just makes me think of, you You don't watch Archer, do you? I watched an episode with you. Archer is weird and is great, but there's a character in it who gets off of being choked. <laughs> and when I think of that, I just is think of like that character. character no, she's voiced by the lady who does the voice of Kitty she's from Arrested Development. That's even worse. Oh, it's really? Worse, yeah. That like that that's character. my first thought, because like Archer is vaguely John Hamm. voicing characters with sexual dysfunction. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, but yeah, no, there, there, there is a John Hamm character in Archer? Well, Archer is vaguely John Hamm-esque. Yeah. No, there's uh, this episode of Mad Men, the one that aired this week, there's this whole dream sequence where, uh, uh, 
Did you hate it? Don Draper, yeah. Well, he, he literally chokes a woman to death and hides her under his bed and goes back to sleep in his dream sequence. Then he wakes up, and he's mortified. And he wakes up the next morning, his wife is serving him coffee, and it turns out it's just a dream sequence. But I like to believe that his wife just hid the body <laughs> while he was asleep, and it actually did happen. Shoved it in the trash compactor. But where does he John Hamm, like, actually, like, choking somebody, like, as Don Draper, like, and it's not played for, like, laughs or anything. It's a really fucked up, it's pretty much the most fucked up thing they've ever shown on Mad Men. I don't know why I'm bringing this up now. Just yeah. Because you want me to stop being angry at you about Mad Men. It's a dream sequence, though. It's bullshit. <sighs> I'm just saying Whatever. I so Alfonso Cuarón's next movie is a movie called Gravity, which I'm pumped about. He's I another. That he's got a new movie coming. He, out. It's been in development for a long time. He's another um, filmmaker where I will show up for any of his movies. He's directing the second Pagford feature film based off of J.K. Rowling's. Fuck book. you! It's gonna be the best. He one. is a rumored director for the next Hunger Games movie, though. But if if Which the guy who directed great. the first Hunger Games didn't have enough time to direct the sequel, how the hell is oh, Alfonso no. Cuarón? His whole thing time? was that, hey, bitches, I made this for you on a shoestring. Maybe you pay me some more. Because basically, if I'm not going to oh, do my I own just heard stuff, him about he just didn't have time. Well, of course. And what? Do you think what, are, what are you going to clear? Oh no, 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 no! But ultimately, he was like, I will clear my schedule for you if you pay me. Alfonso Cuarón would make sure people get fucking killed, though. That's the funny. Well, thing. see, that's the thing. Alfonso Cuarón would make the best Hunger Games movie because really, Hunger Games is Harry but Potter. Children have been poor stuff in the Hunger Games, right? There's nothing that like he's ever done right because there's what nothing about poor stuff yeah because poverty sadness he doesn't do that well what are you talking about he doesn't do well with explosions oh God, actually, and terrible think about it who would make the hunger games take place in because when you i the mean children of men universe. basically it is it is goblet of fire in children of men that is what hunger games is let's be honest with ourselves <laughs> So even though there's a part of me who's like, no, of course he's not going to step in in the middle of a trilogy again. But I kind of wish, I know it's just someone making it up. I know it's not an actual thing that's going to happen, but I got really excited about it. I really want him to do the third movie, actually. He'd do a really good job in the third, or in the third book. He'll direct Peta's Babies. So good. Peta makes bread. Anyway, um, yeah, Gravity. I'm super <laughs> pumped about Gravity. Um, it's about two stranded astronaut- astronauts trying to make their way back to the International Space Station. Where are they getting back from? I have no idea. I'm trying not to know a lot about it, but apparently his big thing is that he wants to have a, lo- a lot of continuous shots. Yeah, the opening of shot of the movie shots. 17 minutes long. I mean, that is the most, my favorite part of everyone's most memorable. Well, no, I wouldn't even say that because he does it so artfully you don't necessarily notice it. Yeah. Like, unless you're really paying attention, someone would have to tell you, like, oh, yeah, did you just realize everything we saw in this this fight sequence was one shot? The best film tricks are tricks you don't notice, and he's a real master of that. Speaking of serenity, there's a nice uh, long shot in that when you're, there's like a five minute going through the ship shot. Mm-hmm. In a serenity, just because mm-hmm. just we mentioned serenity before, that also has a nice anyway. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, uh, yeah, there's going to be a 17 minute long opening shot in uh, Gravity, and weirdly for a movie, it's only going to have uh, about 150 shots in the entire film. We're living in an area where, like, uh, in an era where a lot of movies have like thousands of, yeah. of shots, yeah. and so 150 shots in a two hour long film is only like maybe about like each of those shots is going to be just a little bit less than a uh, minute long, which is really long for a film. Yeah, that's crazy. But I wonder if this is very special effects heavy, and like maybe he's just doing a lot. Of, I wonder how that's going to look. I'm assuming he's doing a lot of long cuts because it'll help sell the effect of like drifting through space yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That could be very interesting visually. Yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, and it'll be a very pretty movie, I'm sure. Dudes, dudes, hella solid. Me gusta. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is our racist bow that we're tying uh, up on top of this. Uh, all right, friends. Video. We're going to take a brief break and then come back talking about Avatar The Last Bender. No, we're not, we're not going to sing the Avatar theme. No. We're singing that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, to talk about uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Hey, these guys, shows are really good. Let's go home. <laughs> this is true. There's not much to say other than watch these goddamn shows. It's actually interesting. I'm re-watching the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender. I got to an episode which um, where the secondary characters that the crew meets are um, Victor Sullivan and um, Femshep. Really? Yeah. Oh, you mean the voices? Yeah. And I was like, I was like oh my god, it's Femshep and Victor Sullivan. What episode is that? See, it's been a while since I've gone back and watched the first season, too. It was the I episode... I suppose for anyone who hasn't seen uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. No, I'm going to be big. Yeah. It's when they meet um, they meet the other people from the Water Tribe who are out with... Um, oh, this um, is like right before the end of the season? Uh-oh. We're not even... Oh, really? Okay. It's um, maybe we're three-quarters way through. Victor Sullivan and Shem Shep. Yep. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. I was like, who is that? It's silly. Well, the voice act, the voice uh, casting and acting and stuff in Avatar is fantastic too. It's always really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. For those who don't know, Avatar: The Last Airbender is a Nickelodeon show that aired about five years ago, which is about how would you describe that show? It's about this. It's really interesting. So it's about um, this boy named Aang, who is the Avatar. Um, this is in a world where basically there is magic, but all the magic is linked to the elements. Yeah. So there's fire. And it's called bending. So there's fire bending, water bending, air bending, earth bending. And Aang is the avatar. And the avatar is someone who has control over all four bending elements, which is uncommon because you're born with one or none. Mm-hmm. And he is yeah, also and people supposed bending, to... Yeah, like the be- people who can bend are kind of minority, too. Like, yeah. it seems like maybe like one, maybe one out of every ten people are, it can be a yeah. bender. Yeah. yeah. So in its, so the Avatar is someone who brings balance to the world. Well, a hundred years ago, Aang ran away from his responsibility. And in the intervening time, um, the Fire Nation um, have pretty much dominated the rest of the, the world. Yeah, they've taken advantage of his absence to essentially, like, enslave... Well, not enslave, but they've really kind of, like, started a war with all the other yeah. uh, nations in the Just world. Just to slowly and take kind over. Of, like, they've slowly kind of taken over everything, mm-hmm. yeah. So Aang comes back and realizes that he has to undo what he did. Meanwhile, a parallel storyline is going on where the son of the Lord of the Fire Nation um, has a dispute with his father and is expelled with the understanding that if he can find the Avatar and capture him and keep the Avatar from undoing Which the Which no Fire one's Lords been able done. to find the Avatar because yeah. it's been Aang. He's been hiding It's totally like, years. what do you call when you go and send someone on a fruitless errand? What's yeah. it called? Like it's a cootie a, hunt? Is that what I'm thinking? Goose chase? Maybe. But there's... Yeah. Anyway. But like, it sounds like his father sends him out with his mission knowing that there's his no way he could task. actually achieve it. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's essentially ostracized his son knowing he'll never come home again. So the when the avatar appears, this kid is like, "Fuck, I'm gonna." Man, get the do avatar. you remember what like the? I was just looking up the avatar Wikipedia on what 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 the uh, situation for Zuko's uh, banishment from the kingdom is. I just watched that episode. It is fucked up. It's nasty. About well, here's what's really what I really am impressed about Avatar, and I actually want to talk about this. What Avatar is amazing because it seems like a very simple kind of, you know, just pretty straightforward kids show. Mm -hmm. And then it just gets more and more layered. Like the way it uses archetypes and character types and then very slowly reverses your expectations of them is really cool. One of my favorite things about Avatar, and I was thinking about this, and really I would say only Avatar 
And really, Veronica Mars have so successfully taken a character that is presented as 100% the villain Mm -hmm. and gotten me totally sympathetic to them, so much so that they become my favorite character. Like, I'm always impressed by when you have a villain presented who becomes an ally, and one that is done well without compromising who they are. Because a lot of lesser works will have, well, here's a bad guy, but you only, it only seems like they're bad. When really what I love about Logan and Zuko is that, no, 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 they are the hard-ass dudes they are. They're kind of terrible, but you understand their situation. But they're both, even both Logan and Zuko uh, are kind of both, even from the beginning, there's a little bit of vulnerability to them. Yeah. That so it's not like they're total wicked evil bastards from the beginning. They're, they're both yeah. technically the bad guys, and that the fact that they're 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 the, the main interference running against the the, the right. protagonist. Mm-hmm. But they're still well rounded enough as characters that yeah. when they make their turn towards the good side, it it it's it makes sense. It's not completely uh, ridiculous. Well, I'd say that in both cases, they the vulnerability is very carefully and deliberately doled out. Yeah. It's not presented at yeah, first. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, they're presented, both of them are presented at first as total black hats. Yeah. And it's only as time goes on. Well, Zuko, especially, is just like, oh, Zuko. I hate the Avatar! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but n- his development as Although a character is really neat. that Zuko can't be all that bad because Uncle Iroh's so great. Uncle that, Iroh is so great. You can't believe Uncle Iroh's actually one of so, the bad guys. Zuko is the expelled prince. Um, uncle Iroh is his uncle, who is my favorite character in the whole show. And um, he is... Uh, he was a prominent fire lord who had a serious defeat at some point in his military, military career. Defeat, yeah. And it totally changed his perspective on everything. Man, and why he had that defeat? Yeah. Do you remember what happened? Yeah. Yeah, with his son? Yeah. Fuck. Avatar well, it turns is good. Out, well, the, 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 like, uh, Uncle Iroh is actually... Next to Aang is actually, uh, from a backstory perspective, the most pivotal character in the whole series because yeah. Uncle Iroh is he was actually first in line to become the next Fire Lord. Yeah. And uh, there was all this political machinations where he wound up sacrificing his 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 inheritance for the throne uh, because his son died uh, during the uh, siege of the city of Ba Sing Se. Yeah. And his, he was so devastated by the loss of his son, he just gave up his claim to the, the, the throne of the Fire Kingdom mm-hmm. and the Fire Nation, and he, he essentially just walks away and which lets his younger brother, who is an evil... This is one of the things where Avatar kind of falls apart, where his his younger brother, who does become the Fire Lord, uh, Lord Ozai, mm-hmm. is so evil. He's like a comic book. He's actually even voiced by Mark Hamill in Total Joker mode when he shows up in the, in the last couple episodes. Uh, but yeah, he's a, uh, the fact that uh, Uncle Iroh steps down really sets up the stage for yeah. like all the conflict that happens in the rest of the story. Because I his, will... his evil brother takes over, I will who give also this happens show... to be... A one. I don't dad. even necessarily think he's one-sided because I've met people who are just that straightforward. He's a prick, yeah. Evil. Yeah. I mean, I have. There are some people who are like, Mm-mm, there's nothing else there. There's only a drive for power. Mm-hmm. And fuck everything that gets in their way. Yeah. I, I, oh, no, I'm not saying that doesn't happen Oh, yeah, no, life. but I'm just, it's well, just, just, you know. Lord, like, Fire Lord Ozai is the one character in the entire series who's not... That's what I'm kind of I'm looking forward with uh, uh, Legend of Korra. It seems like they might be having a little bit more of a sympathetic war, a little more... Uh, well-rounded potential villain. Mm-hmm. Not that we know anything about the villain in Legend of Korra. We can talk about that later. I've been trying very hard not to learn anything about Legend of Korra. 
Well, all, so all you know is you set up. There's some the bad guy in the legend. I don't know anything more than you do, but the fact that it's a like a masked man who has yeah. something against the bender. They're totally riffing on there's... anonymous to some degree. Yeah, where it's this it's guy a totally in this vaguely guy vendetta Fox kind of mask sort of thing. Yeah, and you know he's got to have some backstory. You know he's not going to just take the mask off and just oh be sure, like John there's going to be something else. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be something. He, like Aang fucked him up, or somebody else fucked him up, or he's got some kind of reason why he's got he's 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 got a boner for the. To fuck anyway, up the, the benders. Beyond that, what's great about Avatar is that so you had this really interesting, like totally classic archetype story of journey of because it's about the Avatar learning because Aang is still a child. He basically freezes himself for hundred years, yeah. and when it comes to he hasn't fully mastered all the elements yet. He's yeah. still just an airbender, and he hasn't necessarily mastered earth, fire, or water bending. So obviously, the guide work for the story is him learning those skills. Yeah, and the three each... seasons is is an element per season. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there's your base work right there, but as it goes on, like, there's this larger story of this nation, that this, these nations at war, and how they come to peace. It's yeah. really just hella competent. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because the world that this whole thing takes place is kind of a weird mirror version of our world, and, like, like or the world of uh, Asia in, mm-hmm. like... The yeah. 19th century our world. Yeah. Essentially, that's kind of the level of technology. It's almost as, as if the Avatar The Last Airbender exists in a world where, for some reason, technology hasn't evolved the same way it has in our world, but mm-hmm. for some reason, whatever power like helps fuel technology in our world has gone into this weird chi uh energy thing that lets people bend. Yeah. Because, like, like, even, like... The, the Fire Nation and how they act is essentially yeah. based off of uh, Japan's yeah. imperialism crazy shit at the beginning of the, like, uh, the, the 20th century where they were like yeah. go, like uh, invading Korea and China. And, like, even and the, in the Fire show, Nation is very industrial. Yeah, industrial. Yeah, they're, they're very much... But they're, they're, all, they're kind of isolationist, but they're super yeah. industrial. And, you know, they're all kind of slightly steampunk and, and, and stuff. And, but, yeah, it's just interesting that, like, originally I, I was reading... Um, about the the creation of the show, and originally the Fire Nation was supposed to be more, uh, very specifically Japanese. Like originally, the armor for all the, and and the, and the dress for all the Fire Nation people was very specifically Japanese flavored. And I'm not quite sure why they took that. Maybe their whole metaphor for what the Fire Nation was was a little, was a little bit too on the nose, and so they mm-hmm. decided to cut back a little bit. So it's more Fire Nation is a little more stereotypically kind of like generically Chinesey, just generically Asian well, without it's being fantasy. specifically Japanese. Well, yeah, but it's a little bit it's like a fantasy how... Bit. It's a little bit like how Lord of the Rings, like, the Elfland is essentially where France is in the real world, if you were to, line, like, line up the, you know, Lord of the Rings map to uh, the map of Europe. It's I a little have bit like never that. thought about that in my entire life. Oh, yeah, Hobbiton? I would, bu- I would believe that the little... Is. But the thing is, is that Germany you're talking about literal is. layouts. You're talking well, about, literal. like, mapping. But even how, like, the people act, you could kind of make that thing where nationalities versus... Yep. Them elves are cheese-eating surrender monkeys. That's right. <laughs> you could make that argument. But, I mean... Uh, you know, Avatar Last Airbender doesn't get that literal with how, like, the world's mapped out or anything but like still, that. But still, it's nice. the political like dynamics. The, and even the water with, tribe or, like... Um, they're, like, Inuits. Yeah. Uh, and the, the air nomads are obviously, like, Tibetan monks. Yeah. Yeah. And the earthbenders are, like, um, Mongols. Yeah, it's that kind of, like, yeah. Which, it's just neat to see an American... I mean, honestly, yeah. mainstream show with Asian characters and an Asian theme. Yeah. With strong female characters, yeah. a strong uh, multicultural bent... With a genuine interest in Asian shit, it's not just these guys saw a lot of cowboy bebop and just yeah. decided to make it like a, like a manga. It's hella respectful. Or like an anime type show. It's and, hella respectful. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's... Hey man, it doesn't pull its punches when it comes to depicting war and bigotry because people yeah. get fucked up and bad things happen. Yeah. 
and it's just it's a really crazy nuanced show like even I'm we're watching it now and I saw I've seen basically when I watched Airbender I watched the first five episodes went that's cute and stopped yeah it's 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 hard to yeah and but it's just it's such a slow burn when it becomes what it is and when once oh man once you're in it it's so good like I just hit one of the really first really good episodes where they mirror Aang telling his story and why he is why he chose to freeze himself and why he ran yeah. away, mirroring that with Zuko's backstory. And it's such a well-told little thing. It's just yeah. cute as hell. And, like, just the animation can be so good. Like, I watched one episode that was, like, a pretty... For a Nickelodeon kids show, this oh, the show looks man. better than it has any right What episode to, yeah. was it? It wasn't even, like, the episode wasn't necessarily visually stunning, but the animation was so good. Was it the fortune-telling episode? Maybe it... Maybe it was. Anyway. Yeah, one of the later episodes. Yeah, and it's just like, man, just the animation was beautiful. It was clearly whatever that team was. was their well, also, the, the figure animation, especially in a world where everything's so much CG or Flash animation stuff, oh, they have yeah. such great figure animation and so yeah. much, so little of the animation is recycled. Yeah. And it's just like, almost like, some it's of this is like future quality, just like the, the, the fighting and just, and yeah. like, you know, it gets a little chibi sometimes when like, you know, very cartoony character but reactions like Sokka and stuff like that. But yeah, but the fighting is so, just so rich and everything. It's yeah. just... Yeah, the production values. And you know that show doesn't have a lot of money to work with. But they all that money is up on the screen when you're watching that. It, yeah. it, it's it's just a gorgeous show. It's neat because it wears its Miyazaki influence on its sleeve. When I first started watching the show, the first time Appa showed up, I was like, hmm, Miyazaki, huh, But see, but it's... But it's... When you look at Avatar and how it's influenced by Miyazaki, it's all the it's, best it's so kinds of influence. Though. Yeah, and it's only it's only nitpicking a couple things from Miyazaki. It's not, like, trying to... It's not writing up Miyazaki's ass. Yeah. It pays, res, like, respectful, uh, like, nods to Miyazaki. Yeah. While not just trying to ape, like, Princess Mononoke, even though this has similar themes of, you know, like, uh, environment versus an industry versus But it, national... it's just... It's interesting to see... Like, because, like, when you look at something else that's hella influential, like Star Wars, yeah. and all the things that it has inspired, a lot of the things that are inspired by Star Wars ex- emphasize the lesser aspects of Star Wars. They don't understand what makes it work. And know? this is so impressive because it's just everything that works about Miyazaki films serving a very different narrative purpose. After less, Airbender is better than any Miyazaki any in any single Miyazaki movie in the long run yes. as far as just like if, if I had to watch whole. one thing yeah I don't know I could watch Ponyo a billion times Ponyo is pretty fun Ponyo is my favorite <laughs> Miyazaki movie I was thinking about this I was like man yeah. I could watch Ponyo I was watching the trailer for um or showing a friend a trailer for um what is it the secret world of Arate yeah and I realized I don't really need to watch another Miyazaki movie because I could just watch Ponyo a billion times. I did not care for Ponyo that much the first Miyazaki's time I saw it. Miyazaki's kind of said everything he needs to Ponyo... say. I don't know what else he could, like, well, it's something that's going to turn into well, Miyazaki does cast. Any, what does any visual person, when has any visual person done? But he's told his little girl story with, between Spirited Away and Ponyo. I and... see no problem in telling a, you don't have to break new narrative grounds every time you tell a narrative. There's no shame in telling a a a an old narrative well yeah i really don't mind that and frankly seeing a miyazaki film on the big screen is a delight every oh, yeah, time great. it is a delight <laughs> anyway man um yeah the um man avatar i made a note of uh this is something uh, like i was flipping through some of the episodes was uh if you have a brother and sister, this is going to be a, a, a great show to watch, too, because the, yeah. the vagaries of siblinghood yeah. that goes on, like, the, the brother and sister couples they have in the show, 
are just... Uh, that's one of the things that struck me, even watching the first episode, I really yeah. appreciated the Sokka-Katara d- dynamic. Yeah. The fact that the, like two of the main characters are brother and sister, and actually the brother is kind of like the vesticle one. He's yeah. the one who doesn't actually have any power, and he's kind of like tagging along. Although Sokka becomes a great character, he's also kind of like at the beginning the most racist, suspicious... He's kind yeah. of an annoying character at the beginning, and he eventually turns out to be one of the best characters on the show. Yeah. But I just love, like, how kind of real their dynamic is, where their they, relationship like, they constantly works. get on each other's nerves, but they oh, obviously yeah. love each other. Yeah. And that's also just, just a great thing to show kids, where it's like, yeah. okay, you can have a brother and sister, and you can be respectful, even if you want to knock the shit out of each yeah. other sometimes. That, like, and sometimes you might have one sibling who has, like, a special power yeah. or has some kind of calling in life and the other one doesn't, that you can still contribute to the world yeah. and still get along. And it's, that's, man, I wish I had something like that for me and my sister growing up. That, that's yeah. For sure. You know, I had never considered that, but I, I am, su- we've talked about this, I'm sure. I am super sensitive to sibling stories yeah. in media, which is why Hunger Games hit me right in the between the eyes. This is why when the first Narnia film came out in theaters, I cried like a bitch. <laughs> just because there was a part of me, or I have an older sibling, and my little sister, I would, I would do, I would jump out of a plane for my little sister. Yeah. Like, and I am totally sensitive to any stories of siblinghood, especially of sibling sacrifice. This is why Hunger Games, I'm on Team Hunger Games so hard, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, and yeah, I never considered that. There is, I can't think of another story like Avatar where it does such a good job of depicting that kind of relationship. And well, even like the brother, it's like the sibling thing becomes a, a big deal. Like it's actually a, a thing throughout the, all the series where you've also got Zuko and Azula mm-hmm. and their dynamic. They're, they're essentially a warped twisted version. They're the dark mirror version of Sokka Katara where it's two siblings who can't stand each other who yeah. legitimately don't like each other. Yeah. It doesn't help that Azula actually is legitimately batshit nuts. Oh yeah. And uh, it sounds like there's like there's even like the uh, Legend of Korra like uh, the uh, to to the the two main characters who aren't the avatar are another sibling couple with uh, yeah. Bolin and uh, Mako. Yeah. And uh, again, like you going back to Uncle Iroh and Firelord Ozai, that's another sibling couple. Yeah. Where their inner dynamics wound up shaping the entire goddamn universe. Yeah. Of that world. Yeah. It's interesting. And so, yeah, that, that, that that's one of the first things that really impressed me about that show and really kind of like I was made never it... really thought about that, which yeah. is so weird because that, that's my hotspot. I, the only reason I kind of got into Avatar long enough to uh, get into like the later part of the first season where it started getting good was I just wanted to see what happened, how they evolved the Sokka-Katara relationship and see if they were actually consistent with those characters. See, I think and... the reason why I didn't think that thought is because I see Sokka so firmly as the Ron Weasley of that group. That's how I identify him. Yeah. Because there's always like, oh, well, here's the kind of useless but cute one. <laughs> Who ultimately is helpful, but in the short term, meh. <laughs> I know, exactly. And that's, that's how I, I, I dialed in on that character. I just saw him as, uh, what's his name, on uh, Buffy. Oh, the Xander? The Xander. Oh, he's almost the yeah. same character where he's like the strategist. He doesn't yeah. have anything to actually help, like he can't fight or anything like that, but he's, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't do that. I'm um, never going to think that guy is a Xander. And it's so funny, every time you say that, because you said that to me a couple times, I have to go, who? The Xander? Every time. Like what? Oh, it's Xander really. Well, no, 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 no. Buffy is just so not in my vocabulary anymore at yeah. all. It's, it's it's locked in the dusty recesses of I your mind. Know. It's just in the past. That is ancient history, though. Well, no, not even that. I don't know why. I enjoyed Buffy. Yeah, I don't know. It just yeah. It's never gonna be my first thought. Just living. Here's what I think memory. of the body. This is what I think of. Or excuse me, Buffy. The body was really good. That's yeah. all I can remember from Buffy. That's all. Anyway, yeah, no, man, Avatar. So you are upset with the romance in Avatar. Uh, this is one of the things that, yeah, uh, this uh, romance is one of the things that I thought has been consistently weak, in, uh, at least in the... Not, it's hard to say consistently, because romance was never a big thing in the first series. 
and romance through it. The, 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 what's the biggest romantic romance in uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is pretty much between Suki and Sokka. And even then, that's so off and on. You don't think Aang and Katara? That comes out, like, you obviously, like, Aang's got a crush on Katara, but I don't see... Dude, I just watched, like, episode eight of the first season, and they had a whole subplot about it. I know, but I still don't see Katara getting with Aang. <laughs> I can see oh, maybe, so at least, is Katara getting with Aang when he's still 12? I can see maybe if you sh- caught up with him a couple years down the line, he's gotten older, and he's gotten a little bit more mature, and she's gotten a little bit more confident in what her role oh, in the well, world Oh, well, see, is. this is how I see after things fade to black in yeah. Avatar. Their relationship lasts for about maybe three months, and then she dumps his ass mm-hmm. and goes on to do her things. Aang is like, oh, shit, and then becomes a well-rounded human being. And, like, and goes then on he shows thing. up on her doorstep again. And then they later hook up again. That's how and I that see it happening. But the, like, ending the series with them kissing yeah. was literally the last thing you see. Like, yeah. just them seeing them full mouth That's open classic. French kissing. Did it gross you out? I was like, is it because they're babies? Yeah! <laughs> He's 12! And he has to, like, reach up and hang up on her neck just to, like, kiss her. I was like... <laughs> See, I liked that dynamic. No, it's You're not so bad. Cute. It's just for me, just like... You're so cute. And the devel- if they had developed the Katara's feelings towards Aang a little bit more, because you get the impression that, like, you know, Aang's obviously got a crush on her, but, like, you don't want to see They're what children. They're children. And it doesn't what help. What kind of nuanced like, relationship they kind of play up the maybe Katara-Zuka thing a little bit. Now, I could actually see that more than Katara and Aang. We're totally going to, in, into shipping shit right now. <laughs> but I could see that, like... See, I am the worst person to have this conversation with because my rela- my approach to canonical relationships is I am incapable of shipping anything except that which the canon tells me to. Yeah. It never occurs to me to. Only once in my entire life has it occurred to me to ship anything but what is canon. I remember watching the last episode even though with like it's 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 Zuka and Azuko uh, and uh, Katara fighting uh, Azula and I was thinking, oh, this is gonna set up they're gonna they're gonna be Azula and they're gonna kiss at the end and that kind of like. And when they don't kiss at the end and like Zuka just kind of disappears and then it's Katara and ain't kissing you like what so basically you're like you're like the nerd you're like the guy at the end of scott pilgrim going why doesn't he wind up with knives child <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. it's not like that was like hoping that like no uh, i know she and zuko would get together yeah but that just made more sense because they're both both the same age one's water one's fire uh you know it just that made more sense for that moment i can't see uh, Aang and Katara dating from the end of that first episode. I can see it like maybe that's the start of a complicated relationship that builds years later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't. What are they, are they, Who says it can't? They kiss the French kiss when no one's looking. Who Although, says it can't? According to uh, the comic The Promise, uh, written by a uh, friend of the podcast, not really friend of the podcast. I know him a little bit. Gene Yang. Yeah. Uh, he actually does make it explicit that uh, uh, Katara and uh, Aang are dating. That's true. It is canonical. Yeah, yeah. they are. They, yeah, it's not that they just kiss at the end of the series, but they're not boning. But my they my... they are they are an item from oh. that end of the series. On. You know what? I I could read. I could really go my entire life without. No, that's not true. Oh no! What are you say? No, I mean, like teenage romance is nothing I mentioned. It. it was shitty to be in that in the first person. You no, know, it's I don't not wanna... even teenage romance because there's only one teenager involved in that situation. It's like a 16 year old and a 12 year old. I mean, like what kind of? By the time nuance... she's old enough to be a teenager. She's not going to be... Te- There's never going to be two teenagers involved in that romance. I'm just saying, the older you get, the less you give a shit about that. I know, I know, I know. But... Just the age. If you were, if you had at least one pube sticking out, oh, I'd be a little bit freaked out. Oh, God. Well, that's the only thing that kind of, like, freaks me out is how heavy-handed the romance subplot 
of uh, the the forecasting of that is in the Legend of Korra with that second episode. See, I didn't feel that it was as heavy as you did. That's a little bit like obviously they're like the setting up the like yeah. it's the wacky. They kind set of it up. Guy. They set it up in it's the first the episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender. They're teenagers. Guess what? That shit ain't subtle. Man, I'm just saying, what's his name, Mako, in Legend of Korra? He better have some depth to him, because just him being he an will. asshole. He will. It's the first episode. Because only he is Spike from Cowboy Bebop, except Bill. instead of shooting guns, he shoots fire. Do you remember the conversation we just had about I the first know. five episodes of the Avatar are not bad, but they're I not, know. it's building up but, speed? Well, just because, like, uh, but like I said, because, like, I was not very enthused about the romance uh, angle in the first series, that's why I'm kind of giving pause about the second one. Oh, man. What's up? Crazy text? Anyway, um... My wife... I send my wife pictures of cats. She yeah. sends my she sends me pictures of Kate Middleton. <laughs> is, is Kate Middleton the lady with the hot ass who got... You're thinking of Pippa. Oh, is, is Kate Middleton one the one who's now Queen of England? <laughs> she's not Queen. Oh, she's gonna be Queen someday? Possibly. Oh, okay. I don't know if she's actually in line. I think she is. Unless she's gonna marry Prince Zuko. That's not really... <laughs> Um, oh man! But yeah, so the, the, that's the only reason. I'm, like, that's about? the only thing about uh, Legend of Korra so far that's kind of given me pause is kind of like that. That yeah. Although I do like at the end of the second episode. I guess we're assuming everyone's watched the the Legend of Korra at least the first two episodes. Is I do like how that second episode ends with you get the shot of Mako. He's kind of looking off at like. Uh, airbender island all like oh See, did you okay my wait. girlfriend over there did you not like that or did you like that no i like that because then you I see thought her that was cute she's looking back at the air like, but she's the looking at the arena yeah she doesn't give she's like i see i like I that like, okay yeah because here's a valid story to tell when you're a teenager I hope that's when the, you're a teenager and your love it sucks balls i hope that's the day now go, they go for where he's crushing on her and she doesn't realize that he's there that would be great i just with Korra being, that's part of the reason why I'm so up on Korra right now, why I'm so excited about Legend of Korra, not just because it's a sequel series to The, Le- uh, to the Last Airbender, which was a good show, but it's a goddamn cartoon for kids where it's got a uh, badass female lead. Yeah. And that is important. That is a big goddamn deal. Yeah. And the one place where they could easily biff that if they're not careful is with the romance thing. If they kind of turn her into a little gooch the moment like a hot boy walks around. Like, that's where they could easily biff things. And that's oh, the only God. thing I get a little uh, worked up about that. And that way, I'm kind of like the, a grumpy old man. I'm like, uh, with a shotgun, boys not better not go near my uh, Cora. I'll shoot their balls off. See, I really have no right to be involved in this conversation of how nice it is to have an empowered female. Because my sister, my, my, no, my, my wife just sent me a picture of uh, Rachel Weiss and a bustier. And now Whoa, I can't let me think. see. No, you don't get to see. Why? Because this is my secret She's picture. She's a woman. Is she naked? No, no. Is oh, man. This... Oh, oh, come what on. What are we talking about? <laughs> Me and Annie both have huge boners for Rachel Weiss. Um, man, now Cora. Now we're talking about Rachel I, You know Weiss. why I'm excited about Cora? It's just because I don't really have a TV show right now. It'll be mm-hmm. nice to have a TV show where I get, got in on the ground floor. You mean Doctor Who's not your show right now? Mm-hmm. Do you see... I don't do a lot of serial entertainment right now, and I love the ritual of serial entertainment. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to having that iTunes pass and being able to curl up with my wife and watch each well, I'm episode. I'm glad it sounds like they're going to have a couple seasons of it, Cora, too. It's not, well, originally, Cora was announced as a miniseries, and now yeah. they, they, they've come out and said they're going to get a full first full season. And now they're already talking about season two, so it sounds like they're going to at least get two seasons, maybe three. It sounds like it might yeah. be the same size as the original Air Which would be show. nice. Yeah. yeah. It'll be nice to get in on the ground floor, because I remember watching, hearing about Avatar, hearing it was really good. 
Um, went home to visit folks in Texas, watched one episode, and one episode is really not. It was at some. It's... It was also like halfway through the third season. I had no uh... idea what was going on, and I was like, meh, and I just missed out. Yeah, I'm trying to get people into watching Avatar here. Uh, well, hopefully, originally I was trying to get them uh, up to speed on Avatar before uh, Legend of Korra hit, and having those guys watch the first like four episodes. Like, they're kind of, like, they're kind of game. They're like, oh, you know, this is cute. And I'm like, oh, man, but you don't understand. It's going to get fucked up good. Yeah. And, like, how do you tell people that, like, like it's, it's it's man, kind of killing me that, like, <laughs> I just want to say, you just, you just got to get past the first 28 well, episodes. Well, see, the thing is, it's not, like, it's not that bad. It's not well, it's like not the first bad. season of Parks and Rec. But it's a little bit, if you go in there thinking, oh, we're just watching a kid's kids cartoon, it, it, you have to, you, you're kind of already working against, what like, the stereotype of, oh, it's a kid's cartoon, what, what is this stuff? Which, yeah, I don't know. But, it, like, Avatar Lost Airbender is generally a great show regardless whether or not it's animated or for kids or whatever. We'll see. It's one and of the as, best TV shows ever made. As, like, I love animation and I have so little, like, I feel like I have so little to consume. Yeah. It's just such a pleasure to have something that well, I can... Well, it's nice little Legend of Korra, too. It seems like they bumped up the budget from the first one, so it looks even prettier. Well, this one actually seems to be in HD. It's actually produced for, you know, you can watch on a big flat screen TV mm-hmm. and it's going to look gorgeous. And, and uh, I don't know. Ugh. But, um, man, and Uncle Iroh, like, again, him getting drunk and about his son who died, that's, man, I saw, like, a YouTube clip where someone had his song that he sings when he's super sad and drunk and you find out, like, why he lost the thing of, uh, 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 Bao Sing's, about was it Ba Sing Se? Ba Sing Se, yeah. Man, and, like, he was, was it Mako was the voice actor for Uncle Iroh, who also yeah. did the voice of Aku and, and Samurai Jack, and he was in all a bunch of other stuff. He was in that uh, Conan the Barbarian movie. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, in the old, yeah, the old stuff. He was stuff. the wizard in yeah. that, what, the second one or whatever. Man, and, like, his his voice, and, like, that's a modeling thing for, like, for a kid's cartoon for someone to have what is ostensibly most everyone's favorite character getting drunk and singing about his dead son who died in a war and he'll never come back home. And that's just a hell of a thing to have yeah. in a cartoon. And uh, he just sold that so goddamn well. It's one of my favorite things of all time. so slow like fragile tiny shells drifting in the foam little soldier boy come marching home brave soldier boy comes marching home my biggest regret about Avatar is that um, Mako passed before the end of the show. Like, yeah, like so. Half a Uncle Iro has to take a back seat. Yeah, in the end of the show, and it's weird how they did that too. Because so there's sad. like ha- there's like three or four episodes where Uncle Iro, you'll see him, but he doesn't talk because he's just locked in jail, tr- like getting buff for the fight for the mate. Oh, like, I forgot Epo. about that. Yeah, and he's getting yeah. old. He's still fat, but now he's fat ripped. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. Uncle Iro was the shit. I'm glad that they, it is cute that they actually named one of the major characters. And... I thought that almost made me cry when they oh, said yeah. his name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Um, 
uh, going back to sibling stuff, I mentioned this on uh, what is like one of our other podcasts, but one of the things that's always sealed the de- deal for me with Avatar: The Last Airbender being such a fantastic show was actually the final battle between Zuka and Azula at the end of the last episode, where it's one of the best choreographed uh, fights in the whole series, and it's one of the most dramatic and most fucked up fights. But instead of being presented in this badass fashion where, like, they're trying to let you drive, they're driving home the fact that it's a badass fight, it's presented in such a sad way where, as they're fighting, uh, all the sound effects drop out except for the sound of their breathing and just the, uh, the, all the fire they're shooting out of their hands and feet. And just really sad maudlin, uh, taiko drum music just kind of kicks in. And it's presented as the saddest thing in the world that you have this brother and sister just trying to kill each other. And that's again for a kid's show it's just like that's a hell of it not even just for a kid show but any, any kind of medium that's just like because even if even if uh zuko defeats azula it's he's he's beating his own sister and she's crazy and you know even if the good guy's victorious it's not necessarily a great thing um and when azula yeah. is beaten man by katara and she's locked up in chains azula's flipping the fuck out belching fire and just the display of that kind of just mental illness the fire yeah. belching madness where she's just locked up in chains and she's just screaming and writhing and literally blue flames are just shooting out of her face she's just so pissed off yeah. and crying and that's like that's fucked up especially yeah it's just man that is hardcore yeah it's amazing <sighs> avatar is amazing all the more so in that it's just you do not expect it to be for it to turn very rarely do you get in on something you're like this is pretty competent and then it turns into something amazing and yeah. it's so satisfying well, like they also follow through on the logic of the world building stuff where like i remember when they first were talking about water bending about how as the sh- as the show goes on they kind of show more often how water benders if you're really skilled you can start manipulating the water in objects and uh-huh. things like that and the point i was like well if people are mostly water who's to say you can't like fuck with people the water in people's bloodstreams or something like that yeah. and they actually fucking follow through that on the show yeah. there's a bloodbending episode yeah man and Katara falls into that shit and it gets fucked up yeah. and like potentially waterbending that would make waterbenders the most fucked up benders in the universe but this is a power no one wants to fuck with because obviously that's yeah that's not good PR for the bending community if not people so much. find out you could like rip their blood out of their bodies and control them by manipulating their bloodstream and just, yeah, I just love that the show, it, yeah, does not hesitate to follow through on its own world building logic. That's Good just... shit. I'm really, I mean, I don't want to get too excited about Korra because I want to let it be. The pleasure of Avatar was that it was so unexpectedly good. Yeah. Like, and I'm, yeah, I, you don't want to get you know, too high for it. You just want to be its own thing. I just thing. want to be delighted by it. I love, there's nothing more pleasurable than something, you know, just delighting. Like, the, that's how I felt about the Becky Cloonan work on Conan. It's like, I was not expecting to feel so much joy from it. Yeah. And that made that joy all the more vibrant and meaningful. Yeah. There aren't enough things in the world that just dose you with a pure dollop of joy. And it all depends on how, you know, your your particular engine is tuned. But it's just so nice when it happens. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. I very rarely get that. I, more often than not, I get that feeling from video games. Even a video game that is not the best, I can get that feeling from. Yeah. And that's why I'm so excited about Korra, because I feel like it's got it. It's already... At least... I know a lot of people are already dogging on Korra just because pretty much for every element that makes it different from The Last Airbender in that it's got a female lead. It takes place too far away from the original series, so you can't have all these... Like, you can't guarantee that all the characters from the original series are going to show up. 
people are already upset because it looks like it might take place mostly in one city rather than being uh, being a travelogue all throughout the world. See, I think that's people neat. People are fucking stupid. Yeah, I like the fact that it's a continuation of that universe, but they're, this whole show from beginning to end is kind of its own thing. Yeah. It's got its own aesthetic, the way it wants to tell the story. The fact that it starts off the like five minutes in the first episode, you have this little girl who already knows she's the Avatar. Yeah, no the conflict is so different. Yeah, I'm the Avatar, you gotta deal with it. And then she, like, she's five years old and already knows how to bet all the with elements. Her, her little, tub, like, her little toad belly tummy. It's yeah, amazing. and like, people are like, there are a handful of fans online, well, what kind of story can they tell if she already knows all the elements? See, that's what, it's such a different story, that's why it's great. Yeah. They're just, oh, it's so interesting. Mm. So rarely do you get to see, like, somebody do that when, because like, animation requires so much time and so much money. Yeah. It's so neat to see someone in an American, like, context get well, that kind of investment. With Korra, they also get to flesh out a lot of stuff because, it's interesting because they never expand, they never really explained it how, uh, in terms of, like, population and stuff and, and how bending works in mm-hmm. the original series or, like... Because they always made it seem like no matter what nation you're born, like no matter who you are, you're if you can bend, where like how whatever element you can bend is completely dominated by where you're. Uh, yeah, it's geography. To yeah, like if you're born in the fire nation, you become a fire uh, a firebender. If you're born in the earth nation, you're gonna become an earthbender. But then you have Bolin and Mako, who are yeah. their brothers, and one's a firebender, one's an earth. I hadn't considered that. That's kind of an interesting dynamic, and like so is it maybe like and there even in the first episode of Legend of Korra, like there's kind of mention made about how uh, uh, Tenzin's wife has produced nothing but airbenders and she's yeah. hoping to at least to get one non-bender. Yeah. And like, well, yeah, does that mean like how, like, it, o- it always seems like bending the benders are kind of a minority in this universe. Like how, what is the ratio of benders to non-benders in this world? Especially if like all these people are pissed off at the benders for like potentially being so special and like yeah. the whole, you know, what, what, what also what's going to be the fallout of that, the war, the hundred year war that uh, Aang and Zuko ended. Sure. That was a race perpetuated, uh, a war uh, perpetuated by Benders. It, that totally yeah. makes sense why people would be oh, so yeah. anti-Bender in, in the time of Korra. But then, like, they're going to have to actually answer, like, like, yeah, like, how bending works in that society. See, I don't think, to some degree, you don't. I mean, they don't have to answer any questions that don't serve the story, and I don't want them. No, to. but I think they're going. Th- th- I think that's what a lot, of, a lot of the stories are going to be about is like how does bending work? Like you're going to find out answers just in the course of the story. Is midichlorians? Just... Oh, God. No, I'm not even talking about. I'm not even talking about. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 I know. Where the power of bending? Comes I know from. what you mean. Although that sounds like that's going to be. A, yeah, it's midichlorians. Yeah, shut up. Boom. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to know. You know what? It's going to. I don't want to know. The more you bend, is depends on how much Taco Bell you buy or how many Taco Bell. Uh, uh, Locos, nachos, Doritos, you man. That's rigid. But, uh, yeah, no, that's that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, is just seeing, like... I'm just excited to be excited about animation. Yeah. It's just a pleasure. I always forget. I'm, I feel so starved for animation. I never get to enjoy it. I think that's why when I saw Paprika, like, however many years ago, I got blindsided with love for it. Because I just forget the high that I only get from really good animation. There's nothing like I can't... Like, an animation is like a waking dream. Yeah. Even, even if it's not that, that, that crazy psychedelic. Yeah. But it'll show you shit you can't see in anything else. Yeah. yeah. And in a way that is internally consistent, unlike anything else can be. Uh, so what killed Aang? How did Aang die? <laughs> Choked on a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird because, like, Aang, like, this takes place 70 years after the original series, which means that Aang was an old man when he died. But, like, he wasn't that old. Especially not necessarily. We don't know how, how young he was when he died. 
Because think about it. Everything you see of him, all the statues and shit, is when he's still a relatively young man. Yeah. And, well, in this, I think we've already established the show only takes place 60 or 70 years after the original show. And he yeah. was not really only, tw- uh, like, what, 12 years old in the yeah. original show. So he's only, like, maybe in the 60s or early 70s at the most. Yeah. And so you gotta have to wonder, like, I think they've uh, established with both uh, Avatar Roku and Avatar Kyoshi that they were both at least over 100 years old. Yeah, they were long-lived motherfuckers. And so something, and and this is, this this sounds really weird, but there was a Facebook app that uh, was a map of the Legend of Korra world of where Mm -hmm. they actually made mention somewhere of, like, Aang dying after some kind of sickness. Hmm. They don't go into that. I wonder if they're actually going to explore... What actually happened to Aang for him to die? It'd be almost interesting if they didn't. Yeah. Maybe he just died of some natural, you know, it's just a natural course of events. He got, he got some kind of sickness, or God knows, could have had cancer or something like that. He gets a uh, Bender TB. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Korra fucks him to death. Or Katara. Uh, she, you uh, know, it was one of my other. She bloods bend his penis until he. Like... Oh no! Okay, that's it. We're gonna <laughs> stop talking now. I could have gone my entire life without hearing that sentence. Oh my god, there's gotta be fan fiction about that. Oh, you know, about yeah, the, you the sexual implications of blood bending. Oh, oh yeah, bending in that world, yeah. Oh, and jizz bending. Oh. <laughs> you said it, not me. Oh. oh man, and like, but even then, I guess maybe... I want to die <laughs> right now. I assume Toph is still running around that universe, maybe? No, Toph, not necessarily. Toph's daughter is the chief of police. That made me so happy. I actually stood up and cheered. Just... That's my favorite character in the show already. Are you yeah. kidding? The badass metal bending chief of police on her face with shit. scars on her face. Yeah, and just that she is my favorite character. Where I got my eye on you. Thing. <laughs> it's beautiful. Did you see the animated gif of uh, Brian Konzento? Uh, is that what one of the producers of the show? He also you know animates and designs the show. Yeah. Of him, uh, I guess he animated that scene where he did like, yeah. the eye on you, where they showed him his own photo reference he took of himself. Yeah. An animated gif form of him yeah. like going through the whole like That's I look adorable. you and Corey like giving the stink eye back. <laughs> And then, like, yeah, uh, Lynn, like, what the hell's wrong with her? Oh, man, that was fucking hilarious. I'm just excited. I love Avatar. Yeah, man, just talk about Avatar. It's like, so great. Yeah. Aside from the plot, the characters are so awesome. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see Toph as an old little lady, though. She'd be so pissed off. Oh, man. See, I don't want to see all the characters, because I think I that would do I'm glad, I'm glad that Sokka's dead. I'm, I'm glad they actually, like, I'm that glad part. Sokka's no, dead. No, I'm glad that, like... <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. But I'm glad that, like, they didn't leave... Because if they didn't actually come out and say Sokka's dead, no, every character they don't come out and say, so, oh, did you hear so-and-so dead? Everyone's going to be waiting. I want to see a little old blah, blah, blah. Some people, I'm sure, are like, maybe Uncle Iroh still you somehow remember, alive. You remember May, that little girl with the ponytails who was in love with Aang? I wonder if she shows she's up. still alive. Maybe she's running the circus. Remember the kid who foams at the mouth? I wonder if he's <laughs> still alive. Maybe the bender still out there? <laughs> oh, Yeah. Man, Avatar. Man. Avatar, though, is the definition of something where I love the source and have no interest in looking into the what fandom. What are you talking about? What you're, what, what, how do you think uh, uh, Katara and Aang's relationship played out? Because you were talking about how you think... Oh, no, I was just hoping, abstractly, that it was something like where they break up shortly after the events of the show well, you were and talking about how like, you think she, like... They actually stayed in Repul- Republic City, and she only retired back to the Southern Water after he, died. after he died. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Because you, when when he's gone, he's what keeps her there. Yeah. When you are old, you wanted what is familiar to you. Yeah. You better believe that when I'm like eighty-two, I'm going home to Texas. Okay. I don't care if I die of allergies. I'm going home to Texas. I want to be surrounded by steak and beer. Yeah. The beard of my people. Do you, do you have any suspicion what the backstory of evil guy, mask guy, is going to be? I'm I, I choose not to hypothesize. I want okay. to be delighted. 
Because there's a bad habit that you can get to in Hypothesis where you get more excited about your hypothesis. The Star the Wars thing where you're trying to fill in yep. all the gaps and when it doesn't like the yep. answers it's don't... It's no fun. Yeah. It's it's fun to do alternate backgrounds that you would if you're disappointed in something. Like, I think part of the reason why my wife and I dug Uncharted 3 so much is that we came up with such a rich backstory for Marlo that I would had no problem with it. <laughs> You know, oh, and uh, so I don't want to get all. I want. I do want to be delighted. What's your theory, though? Everyone's gonna assume that his face got burned off by Aang, and somehow he killed Aang in a fight or something like that. I'm, that's I'm sure. I, I, I'm, I'm in your boat where I, I'm just curious to see what happens. They like they're gonna have to explain it to some degree, but uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm willing to roll with the punches when it comes to the core. I trust. Them. I don't want to overthink it too much. I trust these folks as um, storytellers. Last real question though: what, If there were there had to be a third Avatar series, something that took place after the Legend of Korra, what what would you like it to look like? Like like when would it take place? Assuming like you know like the Avatar: the Last Airbender essentially takes place is essentially the reenacting the Japanese imperialism of the late eighteenth, late nineteenth, early twentieth century. And it looks like Legend of Korra is kind of doing this boxer rebellion kind of thing. Sure. Where it's kind of st- like taking a place in time that we know in our real world, but kind of putting its own little little twist on it. Sure. Like, it, like where do you think it would be interesting mm. to, to have a third uh, Avatar series take place? Assuming it would be somewhere kind of like Asian centric, but would it be like World War Two? I don't know. There's some a good kind question. of some kind of equivalent kind of like assuming that like technological stuff progresses in the Avatar world vaguely similar to our own. Well, it does, and to the degree that it's clear that in the Legend of Korra, there's been an intense industrial revolution. Yeah, there's cars. Which they call Satomobiles? Yeah. I thought it was like... Well, I like that there's, like, clearly... Well, I mean, you know, the language for terms developed from its backgrounds, Yeah, you know? something like that. So there are things like, is. you know, the size of a space shuttle is dependent on the width of Roman roads. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's yeah. like that sort of thing where it evolves because of what came before. So I think that's cool. I like when you do world building that's not lazy like that. Yeah. I mean, really, if you're going to follow it to its logical conclusions, it'd have, to, it'd have to be a greater leap in culture and industry than that. I mean, Take like, place like now? maybe, like, almost with, like, elements of space exploration. Here's my alternate oh, reality. What, Wings of Hanayamis is actually the third avatar. There you go. <laughs> There's my thing. Oh, God. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. That's what do you think? Idea. Like, I just think something mid-20th century kind of makes sense, because assuming that, like, that would take place like, maybe about 50 years after mm-hmm. Legend of Korra, which actually would be more 70s than, than, I don't know. I don't know. Well, if Korra, assuming Korra isn't dead... If it had to be about another avatar, it would have to be almost another lifetime after Korra is gone. Yeah. Unless she dies a young death. So it would have to be like another 70-year like jump. So mm-hmm. it would pretty much take place right around now. Oh, that would be interesting. I don't know. And then what would the next ender, bender be in the bender cycle? Net bender. Fart bender. Just bender. No, so wait. Yeah, wait. What, what's the cycle? You got airbenders is, is Aang. You got waterbender... Is it Earthbender would be next? So it would be like a modern day Earthbender. Yeah. In the seventies. Seventies Japan. Compost bender. It's set place in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Her allies are a vegan <laughs> um uh, a militant atheist and a uh, um uh, uh vagina bender a lesbians. dog hotel a lesbian dog hotel owner. There we go. <laughs> 
so it's kind of like Portlandia. There's with, my terrible with, thing. With, with better fights and, 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 well, I guess funnier jokes, too. But Oh, be nice, Portlandia. Oh, so anyway, that's more or less our Avatar Last Airbender podcast. Hey, everybody, Avatar is really great. If you haven't, if God help you if you've listened to all this and you've never watched Avatar, but if you have, watch Avatar. Watch, Avatar's the best. We just spoil the whole goddamn thing for you right now. Everybody, but, Avatar's great, everybody. Man, Azula's hot. <laughs> Apparently her she voice is crazy. Well, yeah, no, she she got ass. Uh, and man, who's the lady who does the who does, who does the she punches people and freezes them? Her friend, not the dour one, but the one who like wears a little tutu. Kind of reminds me Erica. I love her to bits. I cannot. Suki's amazing. The yeah. Kyoshi Warriors. They're all great. Avatar, what man. What was the whole the big thing? Did you know they never released an action figure, uh, Legend, uh, uh, Last Airbender action figure based on any of the female characters? <laughs> I'm not surprised Locked at all. Up. Dude, I remember the only female action figure I could find as a kid and I went looking, well, obviously some G.I. Joes, but I didn't want any of them, and April O'Neil. I had one female action figure as April O'Neil. Mm-hmm. And she was boring. She couldn't hold, her hand wasn't sculpted had... to hold a weapon. Oh, really? Yeah. Not even uh, a microphone? She could hold a camera, as I could recall, but her hand was then formed in such a way that it didn't make sense for her to hold a sword. I remember uh, being really mad. I tried to put a say in her hand. This Ron Paulson guy, he also did the voice of, I think it's Leonardo. Yes, he did. I was like, oh, I know you said that. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's that's our talk about Hola. Who's Bill's bad impression of the Avatar theme? I love everybody. the Avatar theme. That is one of the best pieces of music ever. It's oh, great. that's the other thing is that, like, uh, no, we're going to extend this too much longer with the music in the goddamn show. About- I'm excited. They really leveled up because they got more budget and well, they actually time, have. Yeah, like, it's an not orchestra. just some guy with a synthesizer going. Uh, yeah, and Legend of Korra, it's actual like uh, they have, well they have jazz with air who's and shit in it. Yeah, man, and that's cool and like a full art like orchestra. Man, it's pretty. I'm pumped. Friends, thank you for joining us. We're very excited about Avatar Last Airbender. This shit starts tomorrow. Um, it's on iTunes. You have no excuse not to pay for The Legend of Korra. Watch it every week. It's going to be almost, totally awesome. I'm glad this year 2012 and I can fucking pay for a TV show online. I will pay. Fuck I'll watch Game it. Fuck this shit. We're on uh, I will on, pay $30 for season well, pass. I love the fact that like not only on iTunes, but the first two episodes are free. Yeah. You can download the first hour give of it a shot. Legend of Korra. It's pretty great. Free. Yeah, even if you don't watch uh, want to watch uh, Last Airbender, yeah, just give uh, Legend of Korra a shot. It's great. It's got the voice of, uh, with the lemons. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Joe, what's his Friends, name? Friends, we're, we're, we're howdy at boyhowdy.org. When life gives you lemons, you make a uh, combustible lemon. J.K. Simmons? Yeah! Is the voice on? With the lemons. Have you seen people have already taken, uh, Tenzin clips and, and swapped them out with the voice with, uh, what's his Wait, name from Wait, he's voiced two? by J.K. Simmons? Yeah, that's J.K. Simmons. He's, I did not recognize him. Yeah, as Tenzin, he's... Well, you never hear that guy being calm and relaxing. He's yeah. usually the guy yelling at people. This is true. Uh, yeah, there's oh, some, like, yeah, funny. people have taken Tenzin clips, and so, yeah, it's it's pretty cute. But yeah, he's he does a really good, like, hello, mother, how are you? Yeah, he's great. What is wrong with you? Well, it's the reason why I didn't recognize Victor Sullivan at first, because he wasn't, he was, he was not speaking with a gravelly kind of voice that Sully kind of uses. It's exactly the same voice, but less gravel. Yeah. I was like, who is that? Oh and I had to God. really listen really hard to go, oh my God, it's Sully, oh my God, it's Sully. <laughs> Um, so we are howdyboyhowdy.org. We're Boy Howdy Podcast on Twitters. Thank you again, friends, for listening and putting up with our bullshit. Yeah. And um, we love you. Next week, we'll, do you want to talk about Game of Thrones, or can we just have a riffin' week again? It'll be a riffin' week. Okay, next we week will be a riffin' week. Thrones? You have right there show ideas. Oh, Game that's, of from, like, next that's week. from a month ago. Oh, I was going to say, didn't we have Game of Thrones? Yeah. I was very confused. I'm not very good at this, friends. I love you. Chuka, 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 chuka,